Support for Always Sunny and Chiefs Kingdom is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you precision-engineered tools for your grooming experience. So Manscaped was kind enough to hook us up with their best-selling product, the Lawnmower 3.0, and no joke, you guys, this thing's slick. Uh, I'm not going to do an ad read for a company that I don't believe in personally, and I'm here to tell you that if you have any shaving needs for any hair on your body, this takes care of it. Uh, it's a great little, great little buzzer, great product. I'm a super hairy guy, and if I'm going to recommend a product on the show, it's going to be something that actually impresses me, and so consider me impressed. Here are the deets straight from the Manscaped ad copy. Their third generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 3.0, features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The battery will last up to 90 minutes. The water resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower, which is pretty cool. Something that I haven't seen a lot of the razors and the LED light, um, it's built in right on the front of it and illuminates whatever you're shaving. So it's a great product. I'm a huge fan. Get 20% off and free shipping on your whole entire order if you use the promo code SUNNYINKC on the manscaped.com website. That's 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Use SUNNYINKC. And honestly, we need you guys to use this code to secure our deal with Manscaped long term. So please use the code. Let Austin and I know about it. We'll shout you out on the podcast. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 uh, Miami, uh, uh, KC, bringing the heat, uh, ha can y'all feel that, can y'all feel that, check it out, uh, here they come to the place where attention goes In Miami, the site of the Super Bowl Every play like a rope-a-dope Everybody open all day, no joke, always, okay? So we sip a little something, but don't let it spill We at the Super Bowl, these beers cost a bill Nothing less than ill, when we pass the kill Every time that Pat drops back, he be like, Ty Hill Y'all feel me? KC in the Metro, come on, let's go Welcome to the air show, OP, Blue Spring, Shawnee, Liberty PV, Garner, and Indy our opponents think that we're playing, but every time we're down, we always wind up slaying. This the type of run to the ship that's amazing. Miami, the Chiefs gonna keep the roof blazing. Party in the city where the Chiefs are on, all night on the field till the break of dawn. Welcome to Miami, bienvenidos a Miami. Scoring all the points where the game is on, all night on the field till the break of dawn. We're going to Miami. Welcome to Miami. Yo, I heard the San Fran ain't nothing to mess with, but Casey will flip the script for a ship. Get a strip. Frank and CJ fully equipped. Got Jimmy screaming out. So I'm thinking KC's gonna score a lot And the Niner running game will be all for naught Hottest team in the playoffs, not a figure of speech Record set, place your bets, it's about to reach 500 degrees in the Caribbean seas With KC mommies screaming Every time we lace them up, we be spotting them 20 points, no sweat, ain't no stopping him So blow all your dough to go to this passing show Pound for pound, the most lethal throws Yo, ain't no offense in the league like this And if you ask D40, would have to plead the fifth Party in the city where the Chiefs are on All night on the field till the break of dawn Welcome to Miami Bienvenidos a Miami Scoring all the points where the game is on All night on the field till the break of dawn We're going to Miami Welcome to Miami they got it wrong in Chi-Town when they drafted Mitch And New York can't win anything with all three teams And we all know that LA and Philly need cuties But on the sneak, Miami bringing heat for real Y'all don't understand, 
I've never seen a QB make so many cry in the New England stands. It's magic, this is the plan. Back up with us next year. We all think you're the man. You made us fans. Damn, our team's sexy. Let's go win us a ring. Homie, yes, please. Puts me at ease. Last year was a big tease. But we gotta ask D what he see when he lined up his feet. Final of the year. No more football till autumn. $15,000 seats. Everybody got them. Ain't no surprise, MVP, it's my guy, Mahomes, Lombardi, it's coming home, Miami. Oh, welcome to Miami. Sorry, that's Taylor's rap there. I'm not going to step on his toes, but welcome in everybody to this week's edition of It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. We're going to Miami. We're recapping Super Bowl 54. Taylor, are you excited? I am so excited. This is the episode that we've been basically, you know, counting down to since we started this is the recap this is of the Super Bowl. This is why we have a podcast. This is why we did it. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a blast. So we do have a little bit of news to touch on before then, but news, 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 news. news. Uh, we got to get, we got to get more coordinated. On a drop that's right. I always edit it and I coordinate us. So oh, if you perfect. go back and listen, it sounds like we say it at the same time. Uh, and for those amazing. listening, it sounds like we just said it at the same time, even though we didn't. That's perfect. That's just a little peek behind the curtain here. Uh-huh. So the news is uh, the football is happening. It's happening like right now as we speak. So the chiefs rookies reported to Arrowhead, on Monday to get their COVID testing done. And then uh, we're of course recording this on a Wednesday, like we normally do. Then on Tuesday, they were back for more COVID testing. And then if they're all clear, I believe they're going to be doing strength and conditioning on Thursday. They're kind of their first workout and weigh in and that whole routine. So we did get a little presser earlier this week. So we can talk a little bit about that. Um, mostly a Chris Jones presser, but there was some, some COVID news in there too. For our full breakdown of Chris Jones, you guys can check out last week's episode we had on, Wichita Chief Sam of PFF and Sports Illustrated Arrowhead Report fame, one of our colleagues there. So go check that episode out. Uh, We kind of gave our thoughts on the Chris Jones situation, which obviously is awesome. But we kind of learned some news about how this is all going to go down, just uh, what the setup is going to look like at Arrowhead, you know, kind of how the Chiefs are approaching the situation. And it was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's it's just such a wild time. There's so much planning to be done and all of that and and any negative news at this point is is interesting and worth discussing just because we're all in the dark you know it's just kind of it's a brand new world and um it'll be it'll be such a weird thing to see all these stadiums i was gonna say half empty but not even half empty you know a tenth full and uh yeah going to be wild yeah it is going to be wild um we we did learn uh today that the chiefs were going to require anybody that does is fortunate enough to make it out to the games to wear a mask so they are going to have a, a mask requirement we still don't know exactly what the attendance is going to look like but obviously it's going to be fewer seats than they sell season tickets for we kind of touched on that in earlier episodes um but andy reed came out and kind of gave a little a little peek, a little sneak peek at what they're looking at for training camp. This will be the first time Taylor in the chiefs history that they are having training camp at Arrowhead. So the chiefs are one of, uh, I believe 10 teams in the NFL that still 
would be traveling that regularly travel for their training camp. I wrote a little piece about this for SI this week. So you guys can go check out our partner Arrowhead report and check out the article I wrote for sports illustrated, just kind of about the whole, the whole plan, the whole process. And so that'll be a little bit different. Obviously this will be the first time that the chiefs have had training camp in their home stadium, but it sounds like they really have a pretty, a pretty clear plan. Andy Reid was, was, pretty giddy about the whole thing like he was excited for people to see the setup they're going to have it divided up into offense in one end zone and defense kind of on the other side of the field they've got monitors set up and it really is crazy to think about and this was kind of the gist of of my article just the the way the Chiefs are firing on all cylinders right like it's not just that we had a championship roster and we're going to break down their performance in the Super Bowl here in a little bit it's not just that we have great players we do have great players but we also have great coaches. We obviously have an amazing GM who knocked it out of the park this offseason. He's got a great team of cap guys that let him move all this money around and shout out to Brant Tillis. But then even, even this whole COVID situation, which obviously yeah. none of the teams are, you know, they're not run by, they're run by football people, not scientists or epidemiologists. Yeah, no one was prepared for this, yeah. Nobody was prepared for this, but the Chiefs were one of the first teams to have their uh, IDER plan, uh, infectious disease emergency response plan, approved by both the league and the NFLPA. So as of Sunday night, they were one of three teams out of 32 to have that plan already approved and in place, signed off on by the league, signed off on by the players. Um, obviously, they've got they've got their training camp set up the way that they want it, where even Andy Reid, who, you know, I mean, the Chiefs wanted to do training camp in St. Joe, again, they actually mm -hmm. made a pitch for the league. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, you know, the league had said, no, you're all going at home. And the Chiefs were like, well, <laughs> but would you make an exception for us? And mm -hmm. the NFL said no. And you got to figure, I mean, that this whole plan that they've come up with has come together really just in the last four or five weeks. And it sounds like they've got a really good handle on what they want to do. Yeah, they're elite from the GM down through everyone in his team, down through the logistics team, down through the coach and the players. They just, the training staff, everyone who's involved with the Chiefs right now, outside of the parking people, is <laughs> elite. I mean, they they just, they kill it. They They do such a great job with everything. And this was no exception where it was obvious. So, you know, if you think about like, just the overall enthusiasm towards playing this year, the defending champs with the MVP or I was going to say defending MVP, but the MVP and with all the, you know, everything that the chiefs have going for them, of course, this team is going to be just chomping at the bit to get back out there. And of course they're going to put overtime in and they're going to put, you know, all of their heads together and come up with good plans because these guys love what they do. They love being part of the organization. They love winning. They love just the entire situation at Arrowhead is just a good atmosphere to be involved with. And you can tell it, it, it emanates out from there. I mean, it's just everything that comes out of Arrowhead right now is excellence. And it's just, it's really, really fun for that to be your team. I don't know how many times I can say this type of point on this show, but like the things that the chiefs do are jaw dropping from the outside, let alone from being chiefs fans and, and being, part of all of this and just seeing all these the cap wizardry and the the just magic that they put on the field like everything that they're doing is just we just we so deserve this after so many dark years we, we just so deserve to have the best organization in football and I don't think there's any question right now that we do have that to your point I mean like I think it's not that other teams aren't trying to do what we do 
I mean, obviously every team wants to win. Every team wants to have a plan in place and be functional, but you, it's amazing that, you know, they actually asked Andy, um, I think Seren Petro asked Andy, you know, if he was worried about the team being complacent because they have so many guys coming back. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the short answer is no, he's not worried yeah. about that, but it's, it really is amazing to see how they've really have attacked this whole off season. Like they could have just kind of said, eh, we won the Super Bowl. We'll see you in August, you know, like whatever, we'll roll up to training camp. And they probably still would have been pretty good. And they still would have been, they still would have been excellent. But the way that, that everybody from the front office and the coaching staff on down has attacked this off season and, and really looked for ways to, I mean, they, everybody knows this is going to be a weird season, you know, like, but the chiefs are taking the pandemic seriously. They're taking their preparation seriously because they know that they know that they're the defending champions Mm -hmm. and that they have a really good chance to win again. And I think that, I mean, at the end of the day, that's a huge motivator. I mean, obviously they're, these guys are all really self-motivated, you know, in a, in a normal year, but just to be able to, to be able to say that you repeated as Super Bowl champions, you, you got to think that's on everybody's mind. And, you know, a point that Therese made on his podcast that I just would echo here, you know, like think about what winning the Super Bowl this year would do for mm-hmm. a coach or a front office person's legacy. I mean, like yeah. this is the weirdest year. And if you win, it could just be a fluke. I mean, like, we'll just, it could be, you know, the Bengals are the only team that doesn't get COVID and they win by default. <laughs> right. But, but you know, whoever navigates this and comes out on top at the end is going to have a reputation that spans the course of NFL history, right? Like they're going to be legendary. And if Andy were to do it, you know, on the heels of his first Super Bowl title, you know, in his, his long career, what an unbelievable achievement that would be. And so I don't know. I mean, you gotta, you gotta think that that is on everybody's mind and it sounds like everybody is, you know, is taking it seriously. They're showing up to work. I guess another little bit of news that we'll, we'll kind of update too. Uh, the Chiefs did sign, supposedly have some signed their draft class. Mm-hmm. It's not been officially announced, I don't think, but they've agreed um, to terms. I know at least with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, their first round pick, and we're starting to see kind of the numbers trickle in. I know um, I put this out in a tweet the other day, but Spotrack, uh, which tracks cap space for every team, put the Chiefs at about $1.5 million after signing their rookie class, mm-hmm. which just uh, how and but you know Brett Beach, just <laughs> yeah. another little, little flex there. That is still the lowest in the league, and I'm sure they would like to have a smidge more cap space just because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, but, but the other teams would rather have a smidge more talent. Yeah, for sure. They'd like to have a lot more talent. Yeah. Uh, they they would love to be able to make that trade off to trade their cap space for our elite players. So that is a very good observation. Uh, I think that's pretty much it for the news. So um, we're going to touch on this again, but this obviously is our last, this is our last recap. And this mm-hmm. is something that we've been doing since our first episode, since the show's inception. Weeks. 23 weeks, 19 games that we have, have gone over and we kind of spent some time talking about training camp and everything too, just the mentality. So this is kind of the end of the road. And so starting next week, we're going to have a different show format because we're not going to be recapping things of the past. We're going to be looking forward to the future and the future, Taylor, it is bright. It's as bright as for us as it is for any sports team ever. I mean, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It is always sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. Absolutely. Um, we are talking about the sunniest day in Chiefs history today. But from this point forward, 
I mean, it's, it's all rainbows from, from our perspective. It is going to be just looking forward to the dynasty and all that, all that fun stuff. But our first thing that, that we really, that I think about when I think about the Super Bowl, because we're going to kind of go through our progression of, of, you know, the two week break between the Titans game and the Super Bowl, where it was, it was the hype machine was out of control as every Super Bowl gets, but this particular matchup and this particular team that we, that both the Chiefs had and the Niners had, I mean, it was a, it was a clash of two excellent, excellent football teams. And it made for a lot of people that previewed this game that just were in awe of both styles and of how they would match up. There were a lot of really intriguing like chess matches in this game. And um, I just remember as, as a fan after finally getting over the emotional AFC championship win, and we finally started looking forward to the Super Bowl, I was extremely confident as you have to be after watching the chiefs for so long. I mean this year, but um, it was as exciting of a, and as nerve wracking of a two weeks as I can remember as a sports fan in my entire life. Yeah. I mean, I guess we should start with really the, the, the final moments after we beat the Titans to secure <laughs> the trip. With Frank, we, we had one of our loyal listeners yeah. point out that yeah. we, we gave, we, yeah, we gave Frank the, the short, the short stick. We, we left off Frank Clark's legendary post-game address to James Palmer, but that kind of set the stage for the next two weeks. I mean, like he obviously came out and said, we're going to punk everybody. I mean, in so many words, um, it was great to see that confidence and really from all of the players. And I guess that was one of the things that, to me, I don't know. It, it kind of got me a little fired up. As I mean, obviously, the speech got me very fired up. As right. Friend. But Extremely. there was a lot. There was a lot of talk about, and I guess you get this every year in the Super Bowl, like bulletin board material. You know, who's talking trash? Who who's going to back it up? You know, like is it is it good to come out and say mm-hmm. we're going to win the Super Bowl? Is it bad? You know, and obviously all the hand wringing that fans do when their players are saying. XYZ, you know, Frank Clark coming out as confident he's as he was given um, extra motivation and that. Type yeah. Of, yeah. I mean, I guess we can kind of start there because that, that certainly was a storyline leading up to the Super Bowl, and, and rightfully so in the sense that, I mean, as a fan experiencing that, um, you know, I think you and I are of a like mind that uh, we love it when players talk shit. Yeah. And, big time. And we love it when we love to celebrate good things that are going on with the team. And anybody that suggests that like a fan, you know, talking smack on Twitter, which both of us do constantly mm-hmm. is somehow going to undermine the team in the Super Bowl. Give me a break. That's outrageous. Yeah. And, and even for the players to be doing it, listen, I mean, those guys have, those guys were acquired specifically Frank and then obviously like guys Badger like Ty- and, Tyron. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I mean, they were brought in to specifically that that attitude was part of why they were brought in. And so to me, it didn't bother me at all. Now there were a lot of people, you know, on Twitter, on both sides that were kind of saying like, Oh, you know, literally what James Palmer told Frank was, you know, there's a lot of people on the internet saying Who? you better watch your back. <laughs> you know, he's like, they must not know me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that was a that was an interesting experience just to kind of live through the two weeks of back and forth and smack talk. And to me, the 
the predictions were really funny and interesting. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, experiencing for the first time for you and I being one of the teams in the Super Bowl and listening to the wall to wall, you know, it's the only game left on the calendar except for the Pro Bowl, which doesn't count. Yeah, it's the only and game. It's the only game. And for two weeks, people just dissect it over and over, you know, every single matchup, so on mm-hmm. and so forth. Literally every person in the world makes a Super Bowl prediction. You know, if they have 30 seconds of airtime on ESPN or NFL Network or whatever, they're making a prediction. And it was kind of funny to me, the parallel between that and going back to when we were in the World Series, the Royals were in the World Series in 2015, you know, having coming off obviously the, the World Series loss in 2014 and going against the Mets. And the big narrative that you and I just loved blowing up back then in 2015 was, you know, the Mets have this great starting pitching staff. And sure, the Royals have a better lineup and they have better defense and they have a better bullpen, but whoa, these three Mets starting pitchers, you know, Cindergaard uh, and Harvey and Jake DeGrom, like, that's it. Mets in six. That was the hashtag, you know. Yeah, we made Mets fun of that six. so hard. Literally, the, the Royals are better at everything except this one specific thing. Therefore, the Mets are going to win. And that obviously proved not to be the case. But this was almost the inverse of that. So the, the dominant conversation was around, you know, how good the 49ers were pretty much everywhere but quarterback you know it was like yes the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes but you know the Niners have Kittle and they have Sanders and they have this great offensive line and they've got these this great stable of running backs they've got Bosa and Ford and DeForest Buckner and Ward and all these guys Richard Sherman you know like look at how deep they are look at how good they are in every facet and so yeah the Chiefs have the better quarterback and yes that is the most important position on the field but surely the Niners are going to pull this off because they have the edge at all these other positions. Yeah. I think that was a very prominent um, reason for the people that picked the Niners. I don't feel that necessarily it was an overwhelming number of people picking the Niners. I think it was about 50, 50 split from everywhere. That, it kind of crept um, up though. Yeah. It, well, and I think maybe we had been a little um, cognizant of that being Chiefs fans, maybe. I don't know if an outside observer would have thought that uh, more people picked the Niners, but I know every time I saw someone pick the Niners, I was like, you idiot. (laughs) How could you possibly think that? But um, it was – the the matchup was really intriguing. It was basically a pick-em game, and it was a lot of people that could could come up with reasons for both teams very easily and could justify saying, oh, the Niners play better defense and they run the ball. And in January, playing defense and running the ball, you know, that's what wins you games. And even right. though it was in Miami, and even though the, the time of the year meant nothing, And it was in February. It was gorgeous. It was in February, exactly. So, you know, it was, um, it was interesting to kind of see how people approached the Chiefs in the big game. I mean, it, it's just such a, um, a dissection of every single – matchup every you know Mitchell Schwartz versus DeForest Buckner and Travis Kelsey compared to George Kittle and and Tyree Kill going against you know the the great secondary and I mean it was just it was uh it was fun I definitely after a week of that so the two weeks I felt like was a little much I got a week of prep and a week of like hype and and matchups and all that stuff and I was into it 
And then that second week came around and I looked at the calendar and it was like seven days until the Super Bowl. And we've talked about every aspect of this game you possibly could. And I was just like, just put me in cryo sleep for one week. Wake me up when this kickoff happens. I'm just chomping to go out and watch that game. And then, you know, um, all the, all the pregame festivities and all that was great. All the media days leading up to it was really fun to get some of our guys out in front of the national media. Yeah. Um, you know, they deserve it. They deserve the spotlight. They're, they're characters. It was fun to see Tyreek clowning around and, and honey badger and all those guys. And, uh, I just, I'll never forget that two week stretch leading up to the Super Bowl. It was, it was something else. It was. And I agree. Like it was, it was obviously, it was fun to soak up all the content. And obviously as diehard Chiefs fans, you know, there was not an article that we weren't going to read or, you know, a a piece of media that we were not going to consume, but it did get a little bit frustrating because after a point, like you realize that I know more about this game than, you know, this random talking head, former player that they brought on here. Like I've thought about this game a thousand times more than this guy has Mark, (laughs) Mark Schlereth or whoever, Uh you know, I'm not going to name names, skip Bayless, whatever. (laughs) But, but eventually that did get a little bit frustrating. And I I will say, I mean, the day of the Super Bowl, obviously, uh, you know, we kind of went through our routine. I think we, we got our Q 39, Mm -hmm. you know, we kind of settled in to watch the pregame. And what I remember about, that day is just how unbelievably long the longest day of all time that day seemed like I, I we could go back and like look at our texts yeah. you know like what time I woke I up that day but it was it. it literally was like being a kid again on Christmas morning and it's like why is nobody else awake yet like why mm-hmm. is nobody talking about this like what what are we doing like can I open my presence now like let's just yeah, but then the we ball. had to wait till 5 45 p.m we had to wait until 5 45 it was ridiculous I mean it was and I don't know I mean like I guess I guess let me ask you this so obviously you were confident was there any point prior to the game where you really felt any anxiety about the outcome well, I would say short answer is not really. No, I mean, I'm, I, there might have been moments, but as a mindset in general, um, I really did feel like winning the AFC championship and, and getting to the Super Bowl, as much as, as, as it feels weird to say it wouldn't have, I, it, that was house money from that point on. It, and losing the game would have been devastated, and I'd still be thinking about it to this day. So maybe I was kind of blocking that possibility out. But at the same time, I was so giddy and I was so on top of the world from what had just happened that it kind of felt to me like, I mean, how could they beat us? That was just kind of, I was just so confident that it was, no, no. I would say the short answer there is I never really thought of a scenario where the Niners were going to come out victorious. What about you? You know, uh, neither of us are super anxious people. I will say I, there were some moments and it it's really because i mean in addition to i mean neither of us are very anxious people but we're we're both pretty analytical people right like we're we're, and we're very we're, passionate about the chiefs so i mean are. it means a lot to us it means a lot to us but at the same time while we certainly do have a lot of passion and we feel very strong emotions we also have we listen to our brains a lot of the time. Right. And so that for me was not, it wasn't really, I wouldn't really describe it necessarily as anxiety, but there were a lot of moments where I would listen to, you know, somebody like Warren Sharp, who I really like and respect who, you know, picked the Niners in this game and kind of had gone through, you know, like there were, there were some guys, him Barnwell, who 
mm -hmm. is fine. Um, but but people that did really, really in-depth breakdowns of the game and kind of came to conclusions where they were like, well, you know, I mean, it's one game, but I think the Niners are going to win. They're probably a, a little bit better team overall. I mean, ultimately, you know, what I guess kind of gave me pause or, or gave me some anxiety, a little bit of fear is that, I mean, at the end of the day, it's one game. And anything can happen in one game of football. And we mm -hmm. saw, we saw that in the game. I mean, you know, just if you played this game a hundred times, the chiefs probably win, you know, maybe the chiefs win 50, maybe the chiefs win 60, but this was a good team that we were going against and anything Great can happen. I mean, it's, Great it's, it's 60 minutes of football, you know, um, anything, anything can happen. You when know, two injured, people share a cell cause I thought you that's right. that direct route. No, but that's a good reference. I do appreciate that. So, you know, here we are. We're uh, we're hanging out. This is the last time that we hung out together in person. Uh, it's been what five five months going Man, on. Man, no joke. Uh, that was the last time I was in Kansas City, which is crazy because obviously, shortly after this happened, we got kind of you know within a month, COVID comes crashing down, and we're still kind of dealing with the after effects of that. But back when we could all get together and congregate and watch a game, you know we're here, we're at a party. So mm -hmm. you can kind of set the stage here. You know, obviously this was something where you, you knew the host pretty well yeah. and kind of communicated that this, this party was about the game. Yeah. So uh, the host is dear friend of mine. I was just the best man in his wedding this last weekend. Um, he really enjoys getting people together and stuff, but um, maybe wasn't necessarily as focused on the game. Definitely was not as focused on the game as Austin and I were. Um, and it was just one of those situations where like, I was a hundred percent business that day. I didn't want to deal with Super Bowl squares, even though I did end up dealing with them. I didn't <laughs> want to deal with food. I didn't want to deal with, you know, people drinking and walking in front of the TV or anything. I mean, this was as business as business gets for a football fan. And um, yeah, it was just one of those situations where I had to tell him like, Hey man, like we can't have music playing instead of the game or any of that stuff. Like we are, we are here to rock. And I do think I remember at the beginning there was some music playing on the pregame and you kind of looked over at me like, Hey, like we, we gotta, we, we gotta, crank this thing put, into high gear and put the kibosh on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we did. And, um, man, it just, it feels like yesterday and it also feels like a lifetime ago due to everything we've, um, kind of been Jeez. through since, but, um, I guess just to start off the, the pregame, I, I was as nervous as I had been at any point right before kickoff. I mean, that was where I like could feel the, my heart fluttering. And I was just like, Oh my God, like I'm about to watch my team play three hours in the Super Bowl, which is something I've wanted to do for 30 yeah. years of my life. And, yeah. and it's something that um, I know it's going to go too fast. That's always kind of how I, I felt like that when KU was in national championship games that it went too fast and sort of some world series games, although um, those never baseball can't really go fast, but, um, <laughs> but it was, uh, there's I was, no clock. So certainly not in the way that football. Exactly. And basketball exactly. Yeah. Where you blink and it's like, Oh my God, it's halftime. Like that's how that's definitely um, part of what I was feeling here, but I guess we can just start off with, uh, with the opening drive. Is that, you got any other pregame thoughts here? Well, yeah, I, I've have a thought about the coin toss. The, <laughs> the chiefs lost the coin toss. You know, yes. we had that great streak going Huge whenever streak. it was 2018 yeah. or we won like 10 or 11 or 12 in a row or something like that. And, you know, obviously, um, 
it's a coin toss who cares but the Niners came out they won the coin toss they elected to defer and so the Chiefs were going to get the ball first and you know that that's not their preference obviously the Chiefs um the Chiefs will always defer if they win the coin toss and they like to you know score at the end of the second half and then get the ball back and that was not the option here so we got the ball first and three straight drives to open each of our three postseason games Mm. nothing I mean total first downs and no first downs and really like pretty identical drives in the sense that, you know, you had a nice little chunk in there, like some good yardage. You're kind of in short yardage on third down. And then I don't know. It, it was pressure. You know, obviously the, the Niners defensive line was getting pressure early on Mahomes, but uh, it was a Damian Williams, you know, sprint out to the right side and just couldn't connect with him. Yeah. I, I feel, I felt like Pat just missed him. Honestly, yeah. there wasn't really a ton of pressure on that third down throw. Yeah. And this was after, you know, a, a run obviously set him up with short yardage. And then the the second play of the game, there was some, some pretty heavy pressure from yeah. Bosa. Bosa knocked the pass down. That was a nice play. Knocked by Bosa. It down, tipped it with his hand. And then before you know it, the chiefs, I mean, literally, and, and we're talking about just in terms of how time works and was right. being perceived. Like, it's like, right. we've waited like a million years for this <laughs> yeah. game. And then in literally like you snap your fingers and it's like, well, shit, we just had, we're going to lose. <laughs> we don't have the ball. We don't have the ball. Like we just, yeah, yeah. we, we just, we went three and out and it was like, well, well, what's going on here. And obviously we had already dealt with this twice before mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the previous two games, you know, getting off to a slow start, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's always gross when your team comes out and, of course they're hyping them up. They're like, Oh, you know, this is the best offense in the NFL and Patrick mm-hmm. Holmes and yeah, this offensive juggernaut that, you know, how are the Niners ever going to stop this team? And then they shoot themselves in the foot right off the bat. Um, something that, like you said, we had certainly seen before, but this team was a little bit of a different beast, even than the Titans there, the Titans and the Niners were very similar in a couple of respects, but the defense of the 49ers was light years ahead of the Titans defense. They had the same offensive philosophies, the, you know, hand the ball off, keep a lead, all that stuff. But where the Titans went nine and seven, and even though they had that philosophy, they couldn't really, you know, execute it to perfection, I guess. I mean, the, the 49ers went 13 and three. And so that being said, they, the chiefs punt it back and Richie James muffs the, the punt. And I remember my heart jumped into my throat. He ended up recovering it, but um, it went straight through right, hit his chest, hit the ground. Pringle was there, but he kind of held it on his hip. And then, um, and then the Niners took over at about their, yeah, their own 18 and they kind of just dinked and dunked, although they had one secret weapon that I didn't really account for. I know a lot of people didn't before the game started and that was Debo Samuel. He was awesome. Yeah. Debo Samuel is a runner. So obviously the, the, the drive started great. So it was uh it was a little run by Tevin Coleman to the right side and Derek Nottie just stuffed it. Yeah. And you're like, all right, you're not going to run on us. Right. We've got the attitude. We've got this all under control. So then George Kittle catches an 11 yard pass for first down. And then I think kind of taking advantage of the aggressiveness of the chiefs defense, you know, the Niners just pulled a little trickery, a little end around, by Debo Samuel, which went for 32 yards, and frankly, could have been a touchdown. It would I mean, have been, if not Tyron, for the Badger. Yeah, Tyron Matthew with almost like he just like kind of just with one hand almost like kind of grabs him and pushes him out of bounds. I still don't know, like watching the replay. I don't know how he did it. It's really, it's really an underrated, unheralded play because 
man, I mean, he had nobody between him and the end zone, really. Yeah. I mean, we had some guys, you know, playing catch up, obviously Fuller coming across playing safety in this game. Um, but I don't think he had the angle and Debo Samuel is, is very fast. And, and Debo so, was past him. I mean, he, yeah, right. You know, a exactly. faster I mean, guy than him was yeah. past him. And, <laughs> and already at the sideline already at yeah. the edge. So certainly would have been, uh, it could very easily have been a touchdown. And so really kind of an underrated early, huge play from Tyron Matthew. But then, like you said, I mean, they just kind of, you know, Tevin Coleman, Debo Samuel, and then Jimmy Garoppolo to kind of finish off the drive. But what we saw was when the Niners got down into Kansas City territory on third and five, the Chiefs held. And the Niners, you know, um, obviously the uh, the Super Bowl mic'd up, which if you haven't seen it, mm. what have you been doing with your life? Pause this, go watch it. Yeah, go watch it. Uh, we'll be referencing it, I'm sure, a lot. It, it's obviously it's edited, but it gives you a it gives you a little bit of insight. You know, I mean, you're hearing actual footage and actual quotes from the, the players when I was rewatching it kind of in preparation for this episode, I mean, the Niners had no hesitation kicking on third and five or on fourth and five, you know, inside the, the 20, like at the Kansas city 20 yard line. Mm-hmm. And we'll see this again in the second half, but the Niners, they didn't, they were not aggressive on fourth down. And for a team that really was gashing us a lot of times on the ground, it's a little bit surprising. And Certainly Kyle Shanahan, I think this is probably where he got the most criticism coming out of this game was the way that he called, not necessarily the calls themselves, because really I think overall, I mean, he's obviously a great play caller and I think he called a pretty good game, but just the, the lack of aggressiveness here. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you were feeling the same way, but for me, I mean, when they kicked this field goal, it felt a like a huge win, right? Huge like, win. Huge, just huge, like when huge. the Texans kicked a field goal up <laughs> 21 to nothing. Yeah. You know, instead of going for it on fourth and one, which yeah. obviously was an even more egregious or fourth and two, whatever it was at like the 10 um, up 21, nothing, you know, this was a, this felt like a win. It was a good, good stand by the defense. It was, there are two schools of thought when you face an offense like the chiefs, the first school of thought is this one that you see by Kyle Shanahan, which is that I don't know if I can afford to go for fourth here and not and come away with no points and right. give the other team the ball and let them go down and do what we know they're going to do. And the other school of thought is John Harbaugh's. And that's, we know they're going to put up points. We know no matter what we do on defense that they're going to, they're going to go do it. And so we have to be hyper aggressive and we have to go for two and we have to go for fourth and we have to, you know, we have to do all these things to keep up with their offense and or to I'm try not, and get ahead of their offense. Exactly. And I don't know necessarily which philosophy I would prefer as the chiefs to face, because on one hand you can happen. What, what happened with Harbaugh was that it bit him and that he was hyper aggressive against us in Arrowhead and it did not work. But the other side of the coin would be if that did work, then all of a sudden you're looking at a much, much more dynamic offense on the other side versus this, which is like, Sure. Which also bit them. Which also bit them. Exactly. Neither of them, neither of them worked. (laughs) Well, right. Chiefs are Super Bowl champs and we won both games. But, uh, but with this, it's like, you know, they kicked the three there. If we had stuffed them on fourth and then gone down and scored a touchdown, uh, you know, like it's just a very, they ended up keeping us at arm's length because they kept kind of chipping away. And I don't really know which one I would rather have, but I'll tell you, I know I would rather have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback than anything else. I want to, I want to riff on that briefly because I, I am very pro analytics and obviously in the macro sense, 
I'm very for going for it on fourth down. And I think that, I mean, the, the way that math works, the way that things like analytics work is they're going to tell you, if you do this, it will be better for you over a large sample. Mm-hmm. If you, if you go for it on fourth down on fourth and short in the other team's territory, a, every time over the course of a season, it will get you more points than yeah, if you don't go more for often it. than not. Yep. But in a single game setting, it's like we were talking about anything can happen. Right. And that's where you start to get into, you know, and this, this bit the Ravens against the Titans, you know, they obviously like yeah. they went for it a lot on fourth down and, and it bit them against the chiefs. And on, on the whole, that was the right decision. Like it was, they, they went for it and that was the right call. Analytically, the math says that was the right decision, but then you, you have these single games of football and it's winner take all loser go home and going for it on fourth down and not making it is a huge momentum shifter. And you know, I hate, you know, I hate that word, but it is a turnover. And, you know, obviously we saw the, the Niners take the decision here to kick the, to kick the ball, go up three to nothing. And we're going to see, we're going to break down this chiefs drive, but then we're going to see the chiefs get Mm -hmm. down into Niners territory on fourth and one and go for it and get it and get the touchdown. And so I guess let's jump into that drive. The chiefs response, you know, this was, this was a very dink and dunk drive by the chiefs. Um, The Niners allowed, I think it was eight completions of 20 plus air yards the entire year, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, You just couldn't really throw deep against them. And obviously the chiefs love to throw deep. And we certainly took some shots here and there. Um, we'll talk about, obviously, the, the big one that worked out when we get into the fourth quarter. <laughs> but this was, yeah, can't wait for that. But this was just a lot of, this was a lot of Damian Williams. It was a lot of short passes and a lot of Travis Kelsey, too, just kind of across the middle. Chiefs drive the ball down to the San Francisco 15. They've got third and eleven which obviously not very favorable yardage here. Mm-hmm. And then Patrick Mahomes, as he had all postseason, kind of takes matters into his own hands and takes off. And, you know, obviously a very different run to the opposite side of the field, you know, kind of a different game situation, but kind of shades of the Tennessee game where he's just going to be a superhero. Yeah. And you think he's going to score. I mean, yeah. like, I thought he was going to at least sure. get the first down, and then he just gets popped by Greg or by Jimmy Ward. That's a good ass hit, though. Yeah, good, good ass hit, two o, two o. That's a good ass hit. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great moment. I mean, the the mic'd up of that is so funny because, of course, he's thinking like, did I get the first down? <laughs> you know, was I out of bounds? And he, he didn't get. The, I mean, he got the first down, but then the ball gets popped out. It, yeah. It's fumbled backwards, and obviously, you know, that's this is probably the first play of the game where you can look at it and say like, well, the, the, the football God sort of smiled on the chiefs that the ball. Yeah. They muffed a punt early. They yeah. On it. Yeah. But Probably I just mean, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. But the chiefs were fortunate that this ball, you know, was fumbled out of bounds, Certainly. which meant that they retained possession. It wasn't yeah. fumbled into the end zone for a touchback, you know, like no, what Derek Carr loves to do. Yeah. Right. Exactly. The signature, Derek signature move of Derek Carr, <laughs> that and the fourth down throwaway. Those are his, <laughs> His signature moves. God, he's so bad. So, so obviously, you know, Pat gets hit. He's a little bit shaken up. They go to a, I think a TV break, right? Mm-hmm. And while they're out, you know, of course we, we can't see what's going on because it's a commercial break. And so I'm like madly refreshing Twitter for people that are kind of like, are they kicking? The are they kicking? 
Yeah, because it sounded like, I mean, I think I saw on Twitter that they were sending in the field goal team. So I think mm-hmm. I told everybody like, hey, we're going to kick the field goal, whatever, which obviously we, we've just talked about how I feel about going for it on fourth down. And it turns out that me and Patrick Mahomes <laughs> are of a like mind because Patrick Mahomes during that TV timeout was saying, let's go for it. Let's go yeah. for it. Let's do it. Give me my helmet. Give me my helmet. Give me my helmet. <laughs> <laughs> so they go out and they run the first iconic play of Super Bowl 54 the creativity of Andy Reed, you know, I wonder what Andy's going to draw up with, uh, with yeah, Frank, Frank and, Clark, yeah. and the, the depth to go back and pull a game from the forties is just, it's mind numbing to me. I know they work so hard on current terminology and current teams and current scouting and all that stuff that it just blows my mind that they've had this in their hip pocket, but they had it so long that they said they've been practicing all year. So this is not not drawn up in the dirt before this play. This was not something where they were like, all right, guys, come come here, come here. Here's where, you know, they, well, and it it wasn't even drawn up for the Super Bowl. Like we, we obviously, we talked about, obviously the Super Bowl, you're always going to see with the extra bye week, you always see teams do stuff that they haven't done before and give some unscouted looks, but like, and this was unscouted. They hadn't used it all year, but it wasn't like they had specifically inserted it in the game plan. They could have lost in the playoffs and then they never would have used it for, I mean, yeah, right. This was just something that, that was instilled in the practice that they were getting the guys to spins. Pat said, Sammy couldn't get the spin down. It's just just such a, a, a fun situation because they pulled it out in one of the most insane, important, this was not, this was not Hungry Pig where they pulled it out up three touchdowns at home on Denver. This was in the Super Bowl, down three to nothing in the first quarter after having a three and out in their first drive. Fourth down, had to have it, absolutely had to have it. And they wind up in that weird diamond. And then they call Rose Bowl and they all shift. And it's a direct snap also. It was like the, the spin and then the direct snap and then – Damian Williams cuts left and he gets stopped barely short of the goal line. But the point was made is that the chiefs are going to do stuff that the Niners just have no answer for. And this was such a flex and just such a powerful statement early on. Um, I just, this is one of the times where having Andy Reid shows up on the scoreboard. And I mean, I know that shows up all the time, but like, this is where, his brilliance is just defined by plays like this. And it was, it was beautiful. This was a, this was one of those moments where you have a perfect marriage. The the marriage between Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid really pays dividends because Mm -hmm. when I was rewatching the game to prep for our podcast, you know, Troy Aikman was pointing out the chiefs did not go for it very much on fourth down in the regular season. Now, part of that is because (laughs) they didn't need to were ahead a lot in the regular season and weren't in a situation. I mean, usually teams are only going to go for it except for the Ravens usually only going to go for it on fourth down when they need to go for it on fourth down and they have to do it to win the game. Not just because it's statistically advantageous to go for it on fourth down in certain situations, but, and we did talk about this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about uh, the, the Titans game, I think just two weeks ago, the Chiefs were really good on fourth down. They were one of the best, teams converting fourth downs in the regular season all year 69 percent. yeah exactly nice but this was this was a Patrick Mahomes call in the sense that he's the one that lobbied to go for it on fourth and one and the coach listened to him and obviously it's Andy Reid's play call and you know Eric Bieniemy. um obviously he he kind of um spoke out about that particular play design after the game too so I'm sure he had a hand in that as well but 
you wonder if Patrick Mahomes didn't have the confidence to lobby for that, if they had, if they would have gone for it and you know, how the game would have been different if the chiefs kick a field goal here to tie, instead of going up by four points, scoring a touchdown on a little uh, sprint option for Patrick Mahomes keeper going into the end zone, where by the way, he just beast down there. Yeah. I mean, he just totally cooked the defenders on that play. I mean, they had no chance at all. The fake was beautiful and perfect and utterly sexual. Um, (laughs) Just, just an incredible play by Patrick Mahomes. But yeah, so uh, obviously one of the the key plays uh, in the early going Rose Bowl, right parade. So the chiefs kick it back off to the 49ers and three plays into this drive, second and 12 under pressure from Christian Jones, under pressure from Mike Pinnell, Jimmy Garoppolo just floats one up to Debo Samuel that really never comes close to being caught by somebody on his own team, <laughs> but is happily picked off by Bashar Breland. And it, it was weird. I don't know what your reaction was to this in real time on the broadcast. They were, they were, they were like questioning whether he was in bounds. And I think that the, the, the crew looked at it like the refs looked at it, mm-hmm. but like, well, they look at every turnover. Yeah. I know they review every turnover, but like, I mean, come on. Like he was, he was clearly in bounds. Right. I mean, you know, it, it just, it wasn't a question to me. Um, but that was a huge play. I mean, obviously this was the first, uh, the first turnover of the game and Bashad Breland coming up clutch. Yeah, it was, um, you know, we'll mention Chris Jones a lot because he played a huge role in this. And this was, his first signature play of the game where when you have a game wrecker in the middle like that, you don't really need the whole defense to be stacked with guys like him. It would would be dope, but like you just need him to be able to beat his guys when he can. And when he can, he absolutely just ruins any sort of game plan that the other team has on offense. And he cut straight through, got his hands up, got, got the pressure on um, Garoppolo. And then, Breland for for his part kept coming up time and time again in huge plays on defense all year and this was no no different he had the huge play against the Patriots and just some very you know I mean he was a huge yeah, the fumble return against Detroit fumble return yeah, against Detroit the, I mean, three, the last three of the, the biggest the plays of the season on defense happened from Bashad Breland and um it was just when when the Chiefs defense gets the turnover after maybe you got yeah. a stupid one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it just, you know, the whole game feels like this is going to be a route at this point. You know, the Chiefs scored a touchdown where the Niners kicked a field goal. The Niners blink first on offense by throwing a pick. And you just figure, you know, well, there's no chance that Pat Mahomes is not going to go out there and, and just dice them all game at this point. Yeah. And then the very first play after the turnover is a 28 yard gain to Sammy Watkins. Yes. Where he just cooks his guy downfield and playoff Sammy in, in full swing, uh, 28 yards down the field. And so, you know, immediately after this turnover, one play later, the chiefs are at the San Francisco 28 yard line. I mean, we're already almost in the red zone and from there, the drive kind of stalls. I mean, you know, it's, it's short passes. It's Damian Williams up the middle. The chiefs did go for it on fourth down again and Mm. converted it with Damian Williams on short yardage. And so they had first and 10, from the San Francisco 16. And so you're thinking for sure. I mean, like I had the exact same thought at this point, it's about to be 14 to three. And then at that point, I mean, you've got an 11 point, you've got a two score lead on Jimmy Garoppolo. (laughs) Come on. I mean, like, (laughs) like, come on, this, this is, this is going to be a joke. It's going to be a route, but credit to the Niners. I mean, this obviously it's a great defense. Um, 
Pat did, he, there was maybe a miscommunication in the end zone between him and Damien. Uh, Damien uh, just, you know, he never really looked up for the ball on third down, you know, kind of was open, had a step on his guy, but, but didn't come down with the ball. And even I think on the, the mic'd up George Kittle said, you know, that, that, that should have been touchdown. a touchdown. Yeah, yep. that was a touchdown. Yep. Uh, so the chiefs on fourth and seven at the 13 do kick a field goal. So they're up 10 to three. Obviously you feel good about that. Not as mm-hmm. good as you would feel if you'd gone down and converted a touchdown. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a, a disappointment, I guess, when you get a turnover and you start a drive, you know, in great field position and you only come away with a field goal, but I'm happy for our man, Harrison Bucker. He, this was his only field goal attempt of the game and he drilled it he was <laughs> he right did. down the middle. It was true from 31 uh, yards to give the chiefs that 10, nothing lead. At the end of the third drive for the Chiefs, they had one excellent drive, one fine drive, and one bad drive. They had the bad drive to start off with three and three and out. They had the fine drive that ends in a field goal, and they had the excellent drive for a touchdown. So you could kind of see all directions of this game playing out throughout their first three drives, where you could see the times that the Niners were dominant on defense, and you could see the times that the Chiefs were dominant on offense. And um, as soon as the Chiefs got a seven-point lead, and you knew that at least no matter what the Niners do now, the chiefs are going to, you know, it's going to be, it's going to go back and forth and give the Niners some credit. They came out and, you know, they, they looked really, really good running the football. Raheem Mustard yeah. had oh, they ravaged couple, us on this. Yeah, nice exactly. He went one yard, nine yards, 11 yards, and then Tevin Coleman for 17 yards, Debo Samuel for 11. And then that, that really nice play by Kyle Juszczyk where he pretty much cooked Daniel Sorensen over the middle, cuts back in, dives in and with five minutes left uh, to go in the, in the first half, extra points kicked 10 to 10 game. You've kind of seen everything out of both teams at this point. The chiefs juggernaut offense has gone three and out once the Niners offense that never turned the ball over through a pick, um, you know, both you had seen just, it was a good slugfest. It was one of those games that um, as a chiefs fan, you don't really want the low scoring slugfest. You want, if you're, if you're going to, you know, have a game you want to, you want the offense to be cooking and they really weren't, but the defense at this point, you know, the, the confidence that the chiefs had that they were a full team, the complete team and not just an offense where, which is what they were in 18 was all the difference in the game. I mean, to be able to have Chris Jones and, and Frank Clark and all these honey badger and it, it just made it, you you could tell that this was a team worthy of being in the Super Bowl. They were not just playing offense. They were playing football. Yeah, it is interesting, though, to note that the the Niners, you know, on the first drive were able to move the ball pretty easily and then stalled in the red zone and kicked a field goal. And then obviously the second drive through the interception, the third drive, they really had almost no trouble at all and no. uh, entered the end zone with almost no resistance. <laughs> uh, but the you're right though the Chiefs defense obviously was playing hard and was at least giving them a game obviously if you go back and watch the mic'd up you know the the smack talk from Badger and Frank Clark uh was in full force and that brings us into what I would consider to be the the most nondescript drive of the game by the Chiefs I'm looking at the play-by-play here and I I honestly I almost I remember almost nothing about this drive, uh, which is weird, but the chiefs, I I mean, essentially they, they got the ball going a little bit. They got to about midfield and then this ended up stalling out and they had to punt the ball with a minute left in the game or excuse me, in the first half, which is a a crappy position to be in. I mean like that, that was not a, a, a fun situation to be in because the Niners were getting the ball back after half 
and you gave them the ball back, they ended up getting the ball it was touchback. So they ended up getting the ball at their own 20 with a minute left. And I believe all of their timeouts. Is that correct. correct? That is correct. So obviously this, this was one of the, these two drives, one by the chiefs and one by the Niners were, they were probably the two weirdest drives of the first half, right? Like the chiefs, we're kind of moving the ball and they got to midfield really easily. And mm-hmm. they had first and 10 at the San Francisco 48. And then they went backwards and they ended up punting from fourth and 13. Uh, there was a, a McCall Hardman play in there that was just, I don't know what the design of the play was, but he ended up <laughs> I losing don't think six the yards. Did I mean, yeah. yeah, it just, it, it was the first play of the game where you're just like, where did that come from? And what were we trying to do there? And it obviously was, you know, a miscommunication somewhere or a blown block somewhere because it was just dead on arrival. But then the Niners come out and with all their timeouts and, you know, I mean, not amazing field position. They're at their own 20, but they only Man, need they got a minute many. and they're an NFL yeah, they got offense. A, they got a minute to get in a field goal range and a pretty right. good kicker and Robbie gold. They, they pretty much decided that they weren't going to try and score. Mm-hmm. They, they ran the ball for three yards with Raheem Mostert. And then they ran the ball again with 27 seconds left in the half to the right side for two yards. And then we called the timeout because we were like, well, if, <laughs> screw if you guys, <laughs> if you're not going to try and score, then we're, we're going to try and score. We at least want to make you punt the ball to Tyree kill. Yeah. We at least want to make you punt the ball. And you know, we've got a good field goal kicker, you know, like if we can run one back and mm-hmm. you know, at least, I mean, maybe we house it, maybe we at least get it in a field goal range. Like we're, we're at least going to try and score. Yeah. And then the Niners were like, okay, okay. All right. So you called timeout. It's fine. We got 20 seconds left. From around right. 25 you know, fuck it. Let's, let's see if we can get something done. And so Jimmy Garoppolo comes out and hits Jeff Wilson who for 20 yards and suddenly they're at their own 45. And obviously to get into field goal range, you I mean, you only really need to go another 15, 20, or so. yeah, yeah. 15, 20 yards from there to make it, you know, a very makeable field goal. Mm-hmm. And so then here's the first, <laughs> we're going to break down all the, the nine excuses, the, <laughs> The penalties, the blown calls, the refs that were paid off. <laughs> this is the first one of those calls of the game, which is the push off from George Kittle. So George Kittle catches a ball for 42 yards, which would have put them, I mean, they could have taken a shot at the end zone and then for sure kicked the field goal, you know, if they didn't get it into the end zone from there. But this was a pretty clear push off, right? I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. It, it was OPI. Yeah. You know, it was, it was tough for them to swallow, a tough pill for them to swallow, but it doesn't make it any less of OPI. He, he clearly extended the arm. It was clearly something. And he pushed off twice. I mean, and he, he, he pushed off early and it was kind of, he didn't really get the separation he needed. So then he, he, for good measure, gave him another one right before the catch. And, you know, Kittle's a great, great tight end. He, he makes all the offensive plays. He's a very complete player. Guys love him. Um, but I mean, he's he was guilty. He pushed off. Yeah, he pushed off. And with six seconds left in the half, instead of getting the ball on the six, the Niners then have the ball in their own 35 due to that swing. And in a game that is as huge as the Super Bowl, of course, of course, the losing team is going to look at that play and think, what if? I mean, I know the Chiefs would have done the same had the roles been reversed, but it's kind of one of those deals where Finally, the roles were not reversed, and finally the Chiefs were not going back and thinking about forward progress calls and, and you know, stupid stuff that's cost the Chiefs yeah. playoff games in the past. Yeah. They, they just – the Niners got – they were on the losing end of the game, and so they're going to come back and they're going to think about all the things that went wrong that could have gone right but didn't go right, and this was one of them. 
What's funny about this to me is they did manage uh, the NFL film team did manage to find a little cut up in there where the the uh, Chiefs tight end coach I assume is talking to Kelsey as he's going into the locker room mm-hmm. and they were like watch out because they got him you know for just a little push off there they're gonna sure. throw it they're gonna throw it for anything so like I mean you know offensive guys are obviously going to see that as a ticky tack penalty, right? Like the chiefs, even on the offensive side of the yeah. ball, were kind of like, they, they yeah. were telling their guys like, you know, watch out. Cause they're going to call, they're going to call anything as OPI, but then on the defensive side of the ball and, and even the, from the way that, you know, Pat celebrated it, he was calling for a penalty, calling for a flag right away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just is funny to kind of put yourself in the mind of obviously an offensive player versus a defensive player, but obviously the chiefs were, we're thrilled that that was the result of the play. And to be honest with you, it serves the Niners right for not trying to score, right? Like they, like if they had been taking shots downfield for the entirety of that minute, when they had all three timeouts, Mm -hmm. you know, like that's just football karma there, you know, like don't, don't run the ball twice and then decide with 20 seconds left in the game. (laughs) And then think you deserve points. Yeah. Yeah. That you're going to try and score and then think that you deserve points when your guy clearly pushed off. Come on, give me a break. So then they kneel, goes to halftime. I find my love for Shakira, which I oh, did not okay. know existed. Tell me about Shakira, sure. I mean, she's amazing. She's not only an incredible artist, but absolutely gorgeous. I just love Shakira. I love everything about her. And I didn't realize when it was a JLo Shakira show that I would be way more into the Shakira side than the JLo side. But I uh, I remember being being a little thunderstruck at the end of that <laughs> at the end of that halftime show, and uh, it it made the halftime last a lot quicker than. Um, I was ready for I mean I felt like this third quarter when when the third quarter kicked off and I kind of snapped in and I was like oh my god this is the second half of the Super Bowl already yeah, like yeah, this had been yeah. I just felt like you know first of all there was a lot of running in the first half so it kind of did the, the pace of the game was pretty quick um, there weren't a lot of long replays there weren't a lot of, for the Super Bowl for a game that is notorious for taking a long time um, and maybe it is just the fan maybe maybe other people watching didn't think this but I just felt like the first half just snapped by and it was done. Oh, for sure. And I, I think part of it is, I mean, they definitely, they have a lot of ads that they need to get in for the Super Bowl. Yeah. But like, and, and we yeah, were the not breaks watching. Are longer. Yeah. We obviously were not watching any of the commercials because like no, the commercials are your opportunity <laughs> to go to the bathroom, to get, get more beer, more food. For, for you and I to talk about what's going yeah, on in the to game. To talk about, and, to digest, to tweet. Uh-huh, you know, that was uh-huh, my tweeting tweet. time during yeah, commercial. Right. You know, like got to fire my takes off. Right. Uh, we'll talk about some of my cold takes in the second half that have been deleted from the internet. So don't go looking <laughs> for that. I mean, the first half definitely flew by uh, i mean objectively i think it was probably faster than average but it really felt like in the moment you know it, it was a million years leading up to it and then it's like we blinked and it's like oh my god it's the second half of the super bowl yes and to me like i i felt like the halftime show took a really long time that's how i perceived it <laughs> i'm not saying that i didn't enjoy it you know whatever sure. um i was mostly firing off the tweets and stuff like that you know engaging with uh with all my friends on social media shout out to those of you that were you know engaging with me on Twitter and enjoying this great party that we were having as Chiefs Kingdom. But yeah, I mean, here we are in the second half and this, this honestly, I mean, you know, taking stock of the situation, you know, it, it's going, coming into the second half tied. It's like the first half is, is essentially meaningless. Like mm-hmm. you, you played it, the score is 10, 10, but it might as well be zero, zero. Mm-hmm. You, you know, the score's tied. You have now 30 minutes to decide a champion for the entire national football league, 30 minutes of football. For the rest and, of your life. Yeah, 30 minutes for the rest of your life, right. Damn it. Uh, I forget Ooh, which Niner Timo. was saying that. Yeah, yeah. 
originally. Oh, yeah. It was oh, in was college. It really? Yeah, you thirty minutes for the rest of your life. It was a dumb speech. It was all um, he said, and everyone well, was one like, of the Niners yeah. referenced it. Yeah, yeah the, that's right. Um, I think it was, it was, was Kittle ma- or Ward. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one it was, of them. Either way, maybe. we don't but care. Anyway. They're the losers. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, we we neglected to uh, touch on their pregame speech, which oh, ended with yeah. uh, Niners on three. And ours was uh, champions on three. So <laughs> they are still both, the Niners, and we are yeah. still the champions. Yeah, we both got what we wished for. So <laughs> I'm glad that we I'm glad That's that we hilarious. circled back to that. So yeah. the Niners get the ball uh, coming out of the half, and obviously, with the score being tied, uh, it's it's less of a it's less of a dire situation. Like if yeah. they had gone down and scored, even had gotten a field goal, and then we're getting the ball back up 13 to 10, you know, to start the second half off. Um, yeah, I mean that would have would have obviously been a bit more of a bummer, but it's a clean slate. It's 10 to 10. Yeah. We lost some plays. We won some plays. It was still, you know, you could just go out and take a deep breath and try again. And obviously, you know, one of the things that people talk a lot about, and certainly we're talking a lot about on, you know, on the game broadcast and we were having this conversation amongst ourselves, you know, uh, something that really gets made a lot of in the Super Bowl is the halftime adjustments. Obviously you have a longer halftime than you would in a normal regulation sure. NFL game because of the halftime show. And obviously, you know, with Andy, uh, with his penchant for obviously using like bye weeks his preparation, et cetera, there was a, a lot of, uh, a, I don't want to say spotlight, but certainly there was much made of what adjustments the Chiefs would make and what adjustments the Niners would make coming out of halftime. And I got to tell you, uh, the Niners came out pretty much like they had in the first half, their best drives of the first half. I mean, their first drive coming out of halftime, they didn't throw a single incompletion. They mm-hmm. had one play go for no gain, but every other play go for at least three yards. You know, they're averaging probably, I mean, you know, the, the shortest, there was one play for no gain, one for three yards, one for four yards, but everything else, you know, five yards, 14 yards, 15 yards, 14 yards, 14 yards. And they kind of marched all the way down the field very similarly to their first and second drives or not their second drive of the game. Cause that was the pick, but their first and third yeah. drives of the game where they were just surgical. Yeah. They just, they just cut straight down the field. Um, again, Debo Samuel had a left side pitch that he took for 14 yards. So, I mean, they, they showed they weren't going away from that type of play. Um, the, the defense, I, I don't want to say they were gassed the chiefs defense because they just got an entire long halftime, but they were, they were outmatched. They were definitely, on their heels and the um, you know, the Niners were executing, they were firing on all cylinders and then they get third and five. They take, they get three yards to Tevin Coleman and on fourth and two from the 24 and they kicked another field goal to go up 13, 10. Yeah. And again, uh, just really no hesitation from Kyle Shanahan you know, just uh, what is it? Fourth and two kick it, I think is, was pretty yeah. much the exact way it's presented on the, the mic'd up on the broadcast. And, you know, again, just like they did in the first half, you know, it was, it was a pretty gnarly drive at times, but yeah. the end result was completely fine. I mean, you're talking about a drive where they're, they had one play go for no game and their second worst. I mean, like the, the other, the other shortest play was three yards mm-hmm. and they had two yards to go. So, you know, I mean, this is a 10 play drive where, you know, you had one play go for, for not first down yardage, essentially. And they chose to kick it. 
And, and what's the worst thing that happens there if they go for it on fourth with a tie game? You know, yeah, like, right. like, yeah, sure, you can go up 13-10, but on the Chiefs, like, you want to keep that pressure on. And I think part of that might have been the Niners used to the way that they played football against all these other teams all year, which was dominate them on defense and do just enough on offense to end up with more points than them. So to them, having fourth and two at the 24-yard line of the opponent in a tie game in the second half, you know, they're thinking kick the field goal and this might be the last score of the game for either side and it might be a 13-10 final. I mean, they just they, – they were used to a different brand of football than what the Chiefs were going to end up bringing and it cost them. Yeah, and you have to wonder too. Obviously, their their whole march to the Super Bowl, and especially in the playoffs, I don't think they ever trailed in the playoffs prior to the Chiefs going up seven to three on them in the first half. So, you know, I, I mean, like you said, I mean, to them, you know, it's a ten ten game, and they're just assuming, what is it? I mean, it's it's going to be a low scoring game. I mean, it's a ten mm-hmm. ten game we can just kick this field goal and, you know, this is going to be like a, whatever, a 21 to 17 final or something like that. And this is fine. This is the right call here. And obviously it was not, <laughs> but it was another win for the chief's defense to bend, but not break. But now we get into the dark times. This is the, this is the, the sad despondent <sighs> world part of the Super Bowl, beginning with this drive from the chiefs, man. I mean, it was, you know, they kick off after the field goal and the Chiefs go from their own nine because, of course, there was a hold on a kick return because every single time the Chiefs ever ran a kick out of the end zone and tried to run it back, there was a special teams hold, it felt like. And the Chiefs get the ball at the nine, which they had had extreme success scoring when starting the ball, uh, starting from their own 10 or fewer. They had been ridiculous but not. Oh, by far the best team in the nfl yeah and probably one of the best teams of all time i haven't seen the numbers but i can't we imagine scored, like, like three quarters like, of all drives or something like yeah i think it was a touchdown like 45 yeah 48 percent of the time stupid within Just, our own 10 and i yeah. think the next highest team was at like 20 percent <laughs> right it was outrageous. Yeah. They they specialized in having a long field and you know that it also helps to have so many home run hitters on the team that can always yeah. just house one no matter where you start from. Point me. Chiefs started off and they've get immediately a 19 yarder to playoff Sammy, who we love, and then uh four yards to Kelsey, and then no gain by Dame. And on third and six, uh does hit Sammy for nine, and then Dame up the middle for five, and then on second and five. Pat gets beat or gets sacked by Bosa. Um, great play by Bosa, who fumble, who forced a fumble, but then Pat jumped on his own fumble. But um, there's that San Francisco dominant defense. Get your heart out, Cam Newton. <laughs> yeah, right. Jumping on his own fumble, unlike unlike Mr. Newton. Uh, and then on third and twelve from the Chiefs' own thirty-nine, with five minutes left in the third quarter, so getting to the point where there's twenty minutes left in the game. You know this pass to Tyreek over the middle. It was a little behind him. Fred Warner was just more there than it was. He made a good play, but uh, Warner comes up with the first pick of Pat's entire playoff career who had gone the entire 2018 three game or two games. And then the three games before this without throwing a pick and had basically been perfect um, as we would expect out of him. But yeah, now that here's the first turnover by the Chiefs, and now the Niners have a three-point lead and the ball with 20 minutes to go. Yeah, I mean, just as the 
the Niners had never faced a quarterback as proficient as Patrick Mahomes, at least not in 2019. They did get a little taste of that in 2018 (laughs) uh, when they came to Arrowhead in week three in his home debut. But just as the Niners had not faced the Chiefs offense in 2019 and had not faced a test like the Chiefs offense, you know, this was a great Niners defense. And when Mahomes was breaking this play down for Andy on the sideline. You know, what he said was, I thought I could move him, him being Fred Warner. You know, I thought I could move him if I could get further outside, mm-hmm. but they basically got contain on him with their edge rushers and kept him from getting any, any further outside the pocket. Like they basically put a pin in him. We're not going to let you run any more to your right. You're going to have to throw the ball. And so he just ended up essentially pulling up, you know, before he got to where he wanted to be before he could move the defender with his movement outside and just kind of threw a ball up that, you know, had he been able to kind of continue rolling out, he, he might've been able to fit it in there because he can fit the ball in anywhere, but Mm -hmm. he, and he knew, I mean, he obviously knew as soon as he got to the sideline, like this is what happened. And Andy Reid, as he would, would say throughout the game says, keep firing. He literally says that it's great to, you know, compare the actual quotes with the presser, like where Tyreek will be like, you know, get your mind right. You know, I need you 10. And he, all he's really saying is like, believe baby, we got this or whatever. But literally in, in Andy's case, he's very literal. Like he, his recall of what he's saying to Pat on the sidelines is, you know, like keep firing. And that is in fact, what we see him saying, Mm -hmm. you know, on the mic'd up segment. And so now the Niners have the ball and this was obviously this, this was, this was getting ugly. They take the ball and march down once again, not a single incomplete pass. You know, at this point, Jimmy Garoppolo had hit on something like 10 straight passes, um, a 16 yard completion to Debo, a two yard run. There is an incomplete in here to Manny Sanders, excuse me, but then a, a pass to Kendrick Bourne of all people for 26 yards, another Kyle use reception for 10 yards. It almost and scored. Then, I thought, I thought use was going to get the second touchdown of the game and Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback of all people. Uh, but Raheem Mostert ends up being the one to punch it in. And now it's 20 to 10. It's 20 to 10 with 235 left in the third quarter. Getting and, stressed out, Austin. Yeah, yeah. And you know, uh, you and I have different approaches to game stress. I, for one, Ooh. eat when I'm stressed out. Yeah. Uh, it's just uh, that's that's something that I can control. So I'm just like, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm hitting the dip pretty hard shout out to high B. they have a really great bacon cheddar ranch dip which is uh which is top notch but yeah i mean this was a stressful time and it, it only got worse from here which is crazy to think about because obviously being down 10 with 235 left in the third quarter of the super bowl is not a great situation but at least <laughs> you have the ball and unfortunately they would not keep the ball for very long Yeah, I mean, you know, when you're down 10, but with the ball, you just think a score and a stop and we've got a shot. You know, all we got to do is punch this in and we've cut it to three or seven and and game on. But unfortunately, like you said, um, after the Niners had been asserting their will all, all second or all third quarter, basically, because they, you know, they go down, kick a field goal, Chiefs throw a pick, Niners score a touchdown. Chiefs come back and it now bleeds into the fourth quarter. They they do kind of get a little drive going from the 25. Yeah, it was a good-looking um, drive. Yeah, it was about a 50-yard drive. You know, they've got 
it was five to Damian, Pat runs for five, and then nine to Kelsey. Kelsey with a little uh, direct snap on the third and one that goes for two yards that uh, was a nice little draw up play too. And then uh, it was Say- or Tyreek for 14, Damian for 13. Pat got sacked by DeForest Buckner on a really nice play by Buckner, who, again, is one of these just – studs on on the Niners defense you got to give them credit where credit's yeah. due I mean they had guys everywhere they knew there was a reason these this team was in the Super Bowl they were they were nuts and then after Pat scrambles on second and 19 for 13 yards so he's he's just doing everything the guy can do I mean he just absolutely trying to put the team on his back and then Superman, Superman exactly and then he goes over the middle it bounces off tie and a great play by Tavarius Moore to at least get under this ball because it could have very easily just dropped a bend incomplete. But as these games go, sometimes um, he was able to slow the game down and, and track the ball and gets his hand under it. And now with 11:57 left, the Niners are up 20 to 10 in the Super Bowl with a dominant defense who has gotten two picks on the 2018 MVP and there's 12 minutes to go for them for glory, and they know it, so they go over to the sideline. They take a little picture, the defense, you know. They, they just got their big play, and, and sure, as, much as, as much as people give them crap for that, the outcome of that, of course they're going to be fired up. I mean, they just won the Super Bowl in their mind. That's literally what just happened. With 12 minutes to go, they've never played a team this year that could come back, you know, score 10 points on them when they had the ball with 12 minutes to go. So – they did what um, what they had done all year, and they they flexed a little bit, and it kind of backfired on. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, so this is where I have to come clean. I've deleted this tweet, but I tweeted at this point. Well, we just lost the Super Bowl, and I had to delete this tweet because people were giving me a lot of crap about it, and I understand that to a degree. Listen, I I dish out a lot of punishment on <laughs> social media. And I don't want people to think that I'm a snowflake that can't handle my mistakes. But I got to say, it just did not bring me a lot of joy to have people dunking on me. So I did delete it. It like, was a raw I, time. It's fine. It was a raw time. Listen, I'm not going to tell people, you know, like, I will call out opposing fans for their dumb takes all day. I tend not to begrudge people for feeling strong emotions. And the things that they say in a moment of very strong emotion. And that was what happened to me in this game. Listen, right? Like, I I felt like we lost the Super Bowl. And now I know what it feels like to lose the Super Bowl because that is what I felt in that moment. I mean, this was a this was a dire situation. I mean, we're talking about – it's a 10-point deficit, so two scores. And they have the ball. And when you look at what had happened the last – really every drive of the game outside of the interception, the Niners moved the ball and they had possession – for a significant period of time. I mean, we're talking about, it would not have been, you know, incredibly unlikely. It wouldn't have been terribly surprising if the Niners had gotten this ball and had held onto the ball for seven or eight minutes. Right. And then at that point, you're down at least 10 points. Yeah. Assuming they don't score at the end of that seven minute drive. Exactly. And, And then you're down 10 points, at least 10 points, maybe 13 you know, maybe 17 points with five minutes to play in the Super Bowl. You know, like this was a, this was a, a moment where I really did not feel we were going to win the Super Bowl. And how could you? Yeah, exactly. How could you? And, you know, 
this drive obviously it, it will go down and it has gone down and will will forever live in chief's lore and chief's legend you know this was this was you know we get the ball with 853 left in the super bowl down 10 and this is really like this is people talk about fucking john elway or whoever like whatever this is this is this is some there real he was i gotta cross him off my bingo card yeah exactly cross him <laughs> off the bingo card this is really legendary stuff i mean like you don't see these kinds of comebacks in the super bowl very often hardly ever do mm. you see or even in the playoffs and this was obviously you know, the Chiefs had been facing a 24-point deficit against the Texans. They faced a 10-point deficit against the Titans. And this was just another bridge to cross. You know, um, it's it's probably worth mentioning here that, you know, everybody after the game gave credit to Pat for his men- mentality in this moment and this mindset. And I honestly don't know you know, like I've never been a professional athlete. I get it. Like I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm a very competitive person. And so the things that I compete in and am good at, whatever yeah, they are, you know, video games, board games, whatever they are, you know, like there's a part of my brain that never really switches off, which is the rational part of my brain that, you know, if I, if I had been playing in this game and I'm the chiefs, I, you know, I'm on the chiefs. I like, I, I don't know how as an athlete you, you go on you go on and how yeah. you rebound from that because yeah. the probabilities are so against you. And I guess maybe I can never really appreciate it because the guy who kept the faith was the one guy who had total control over what was going to happen for the rest of the game. Good point. And even he didn't have total control over it cause he doesn't play defense, mm-hmm. but he at least had control over what he could control. And you know, <laughs> it's funny, you know, not to totally dissect and psychoanalyze you know, everything that's said on the mic'd up, but what he said was, let's go down and score a touchdown and make them nervous. Not even like, let's go down and win the game. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there was obviously, there was some of that too. Let's do something special. They're going to remember this forever, but that really more came after this touchdown, uh-huh. right? Like the goal for this drive was let's go down and score and obviously put, put a touchdown on the board as quickly as we can and just see what happens. Yep. And, you know, it's the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. Let's let it all hang out. Let's go down and score a touchdown. Let's see what happens. And so, you know, the beginning of this drive uh, is obviously not not the real story here. So we can just get to – it's second and 15. Right, right. On the Kansas City 35. And Mahomes throws deep to Tyree Kill. In a, a play that's almost a little bit reminiscent, the, the one that – the play that it always reminds me of is uh, against the Broncos – in 2018 where Tyreek comes out and has to make a diving catch, very similar route where he kind of comes back. Right. Right. And on, on, I think they're down in that game, but uh, the chiefs get what should have been first down yardage, but obviously there's a challenge. The chiefs know it. The Niners know it. The chiefs are running, hurry up. They run up, they try and run the ball and the Niners challenge it. And I don't know what we can add to this that hasn't been, (laughs) you know, already captured perfectly by NFL films, but just walk me through, you know, it's funny. I, I feel like, I feel like I kind of almost like blacked out during this timeout. Like I don't actually, I don't remember what I was thinking during this challenge. Maybe you do. And if you do tell me, because I, I want to, I want to relive the moment leading up to Watts. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember it. I don't yeah. Remember. 
I do. I, I at least was pretty, um, I, I was analyzing the chances of everything and just kind of, you keep kind of that, that football calculus going where you're like, okay, we forced the punt on the, on the previous Niners possession, which was step number one in an absolutely crucial comeback. And shout out to the defense, by the way, for with the Niners getting the ball yeah, back we for just 12 minutes. We just having a, skipped over that. But, but yeah, but I mean, you know, three minutes stand by the defense gets, gets a punt, doesn't, doesn't give, make that 10 point deficit any higher. And then when I saw the replay and I knew that ties that, 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 that they were going to overturn that because. Oh, instantly, 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 like the yeah, second. Sure. You and saw everyone knew. I mean, it was a, you know, it was a hard call to make in real time, but that was, that was an incomplete pass. So. So then I I remember not realizing it was third and 15. I knew it was third down coming up. And I know that when third down comes up, you know, it's big play and all that stuff. But then they kind of lined up and I'm like looking down and I'm like, okay, how many do we know? Oh, God. No. <laughs> oh yeah, no. no. So, um, and that was because they, they just, they had a false start on first down and then didn't, you know, two, two incomplete passes after that. So it's third down. I know from watching Pat for two years that third and 15 really doesn't mean much. I mean, it's just, it's going to be two plays. That's the other thing. It wasn't fourth and 15. Right. I knew that no matter what happened, here, right. there would be one more shot, but I also knew that there would potentially be one more play by the offense in the game. Like this could be yep. the end of the chiefs magical Super Bowl run coming right here. And he takes that monster drop back. That yeah, absolute what, 14, 14 step, drop, something step. Like that. yeah, and just and, and as he's going back and back and back and back, and he's turning a third and fifteen into a third and thirty just to just to get to the first down. Then I'm I I do remember the pressure. I remember seeing that and thinking, oh my god, we're just not even going to get. He's going to drop back and and get. Yeah, he's going to get sacked. Yeah, fourth and thirty, and then now we really are completely screwed. But <laughs> fourth and thirty, that would have been a tall order for sure. But maybe not impossible given this this team and this guy. But so then he lets the ball go. He gets a little bit like he can't. It's not a perfect step up, clean pocket, zing one. No. You know, I mean, it's a prayer. It's a but, but it's yeah. not a prayer because the way the Chiefs operate and the way they set this play up and the way that everything worked. Pat knew right when he let that ball go that it was it was complete. I mean, he knew yeah. he had die yeah. by you know he, there was no one around him. He said, "I didn't want to overthrow him." That's the one thing I didn't want to do in that situation was make it too deep. So where because I mean, Pat could have put it you know much. Deeper Which is there. great that he had the presence of mind not to overthrow he him has because every presence Jimmy of mind. Garoppolo, All as we'll see. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it floats. It floats. My, my soul leaves my body for a second. It's, yeah, it's up in the yeah, air. Sure, it's up sure. in the air. And I'm thinking, who's on the other end of this ball? Because I didn't know. Because, you know, even though Pat knew, nobody else knew. Sure, I mean, the, the camera is on Pat Mahomes, who's 30 yards behind the line of scrimmage, or 30 yards <laughs> yeah. behind the first down marker. Yeah. Exactly. So Ty catches it. He gets spun around a couple times. And I am just... I think, and I, I maybe it's a little storybook to say this, but I'm pretty sure the moment Ty caught that ball, I knew we were winning the Super Bowl. Oh, and, yeah. and it's hard to it's hard to say that for sure, but the confidence boost of big plays that the Chiefs had only had one of all game to Sammy Watkins early. That's the only big play they had. And you knew that Pat was gonna do everything he could. 
and you knew when that when Ty caught the ball. First of all, I mean, it wasn't just a big play because it was a conversion. It was a forty-two yard or forty-four yard pass. So yeah. like it also cut the field in half. So now right. you're thinking, okay, we went from our 35 to the Niners 21. There's six minutes left and we're only down 10, which means we punched this in in a couple plays here and game on. And fortunately that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it's exactly what happened. Obviously the, uh, the pass to the end zone, they took a shot to the end zone for Trav pretty quickly. And that was on third down. I mean, it was third and 10. That yeah, they took third that, and 10 from the 21. Which is yeah. kind of crazy. I mean, like we don't, talk about that a whole lot but that's yes. like kind of a pretty huge third down play obviously not not as big as wasp on third and 15 but basically is more <laughs> completing yeah. or uh you know grabbing travis kelsey committing dpi in the end zone and then the very next play and by the way niners fans an obvious dpi yeah as, an obvious dpi yeah. I, I mean that's not one that i i hear people complain about as much but come on that that was that was an obvious dpi yep and then one play later, uh, one yard touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey sprinting to the right side of the end zone and then yeah. sprinting out of the end zone with the ball, just, Ugh. you know, knowing that. And that for me, like, I mean, obviously Wasp was a huge, huge momentum shifter. And I would love to be able to say that I felt confident at that moment that the Chiefs would win the game. But I got to say when Trav comes sprinting out of the end zone, <laughs> you know, and jumps up and I just got know, chest bumps, Pat, that was – that was a big deal. And that certainly felt like at that point, you know, we have a real shot. I'm not going to say that I, I, there was not a point. I mean, after we scored this next touchdown, that's when spoiler. I would say I, I knew for sure. Yeah. Right, spoiler alert. <laughs> the Chiefs are going to score again in this game. Uh, that's when I would say that I knew for certain that we were going to win, but like we still had to get another stop and no kidding. You know, we're still down three and there's still six minutes left in the game. And just, just as before this touchdown drive, when, you know, there's nine minutes left in the game. I mean, they couldn't end the game with it, but they could, I mean, six minutes in a game, a team that is as proficient running the ball as the 49ers were. And especially given the way that our defense had kind of looked against the run in this game. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're they obviously six minutes were, off the clock. Absolutely. They were stout in the red zone and they held them to field goals a couple of times in the red zone. But this, at this point, my biggest worry was that the Niners were going to put together a five and a half minute drive, kick a field goal. And then we we're going to have to go down and win the game you know, with a touchdown, win 24 to 23. With like 10 you know, seconds left. With like whatever. 10 seconds yeah. left on the clock, which yeah. obviously would have been cool as hell. Because <laughs> they would have done it. <laughs> I would, I would, but that's how I, at this point, that's kind of how I expected the game to go. But yeah. now we get to give props to the defense, like full on props, because this was their first, the first and only three and out for the Chiefs defense in this entire game. And this was just a, a monster defensive stand by the Chiefs after a five-yard run by Mostert, stopped by Nadi. On second down, this was probably mm. the defensive play of the game, maybe. Uh, Kittle open over the middle. Wild. And Garoppolo, I mean, no, no defender between him and George Kittle. And really, George Kittle had space to run after the catch for a while. And we mm-hmm. know how proficient he is after the catch. You know, there was that game in new Orleans earlier this year where he carried like four guys in a field goal range in overtime and they won that game or at the end of the fourth quarter, I forget yeah. exactly. But, yeah. uh, but Chris Jones just reaches up and swats that ball down. And 
that puts him in third and five, and it's an incomplete pass to Kendrick Bourne, just good coverage by the Chiefs, good pressure by the Chiefs. I mean, the pass rush in the fourth quarter of all of these playoff games was hellacious. I mean, yes. obviously everybody talks about the Niners pass rush, and it was – I mean, they got a lot of heat. But at the end of this game, the Chiefs were bringing just – they were bringing the heat every single drop back. Every time Jimmy Garoppolo got the ball, there was somebody in his face. And Chris Jones with his patented, you know, his patented SWAT, the guy swats, swats passes better than any interior defender in the NFL probably. And yeah. this was a, a monster, monster play. It was. It was, it was part of the equation that, that you need to win a Super Bowl. You just can't do it on one side of the ball as much as we had convinced ourselves before 2019 that that was something that was possible. It just, you need a full... It was possible. It just didn't happen. It's extreme. Yeah, right. Exactly. You need a full team effort. And when the defense, you know, it, it was on them and they knew it was, they knew the pressure was on them. They knew that the offense, although they had sputtered for a lot of the game had come back and done their job and gotten the game to a one possession game with six minutes left the Super Bowl. I mean, everything that, that you need on the defense and Jones just was the most dominant player in a game of dominant players. He was absolutely at the top of his game. He absolutely wrecked the middle when they needed it in the fourth quarter, when it was absolutely crucial. And it was, um, it was kind of, I had, I remember when the Chiefs were on defense, I was at least, I don't want to say more relaxed because that's in the Super Bowl, it's impossible to relax. But the pressure on the Chiefs offense to be great because they were a historic offense and because of all the talent and all that stuff. When the Chiefs have the ball, I expect them to score touchdowns and I get stressed out when they don't. That's just kind of, that's the way that they have set that bar high and great for us because that's an amazing bar to have. But on the other end of the ball, when the defense comes out there, I'm kind of like catching my breath from what I just saw with right. the Chiefs scored. And I'm kind of like, now that I know it's a game, I'm not really scared of the Niners of, of Garoppolo. And that's really what it came down to for me was that in a, in a close, close, close game here, they should have, which they did not do, just hand that ball off, baby. Just stay in the first down, hand it off to Mostert, and it worked. They went five yards, and you just figure – well, they're probably going to do this till the end of the game. But then they tried to get cute, and Kyle Shanahan tried to pass the ball because he just – I don't know. That's what he wanted to do. And it um, now the Chiefs get the ball back and with down three, and you just knew it was going to happen. Down three with five minutes left in the Super Bowl. And they started the drive on their own 35, so 65 yards. A field goal ties the game. I mean – this is a good situation at this point. I'm thinking, you know, I mean, you don't want to score. You obviously you want a touchdown instead of a field goal. If you're going to kick a field goal, you worry about leaving the Niners with too much time. Mm-hmm, Cause they come would down only need a field goal and they would only need a field goal to win the game. So that's, what's kind of going through my head as we kick this drive off. And, you know, it starts off with a short little pass to Tyreek Hill for five yards, Kelsey for nine tie for three. And, then on second and seven at midfield, San Francisco 48, one of the probably the third signature play uh, of the game on offense after Rose Bowl and Wasp, which is Sammy freaking Watkins, baby. Playoff Sammy. Playoff Sammy 
torching Richard Sherman down at the right sideline and just cooking him. I mean, Richard Sherman is great. Richard Sherman is still an elite player. I know a lot of people were saying, you know, after this game that he's washed because look, Sammy Watkins burned him. Thing is, Sammy Watkins is good. All right. Like he's yes. not good all the time. Sammy toasts everybody he, in the playoffs. He's obviously he's uh, mercurial. He's uh <laughs> He's unpredictable, but man, I got to tell you, when he's on, he's on. And he just, uh, he gave a lot of props to Devontae Adams, who I guess did this the previous week. It must have been the only good play that the Packers <laughs> did in the entire game because they got blown out. They got completely embarrassed. Yeah, or maybe Devontae Adams cooked Sherman, but then didn't get the pass. And yeah, Sammy right, exactly. was grinding film. And yeah. Right. Well, everybody's grinding film. I mean, we didn't we didn't go too deep into it, but, you know, uh, Badger was putting out, he put out that picture Yes, of, uh, of Dan Sorensen in the film room, you know, late at night during the week. I mean, like diligent Dan, diligent Dan. Yep. Study Badger, etc. Uh-huh. all the puns. But, you know, Sammy to to know that Sammy uh, for Sammy to have the confidence to make that move. So he beats him on an inside move and then beats him back to the outside. Yep. And I remember when they were doing the Chiefs were doing their replay, you know, uh, I think when, when they were asking Pat about this play, you know, he kind of was like, well, you know, Sammy, you know, Sammy's not really supposed to get the ball in this play. Like yep. the odds of Sammy beating Richard Sherman with an inside move and then getting back outside, you know, in time for me to get him the ball with the pass rush and everything like that. Like that's, that's not something that happens very often. Yeah, he said he wasn't kind of, supposed to throw to Sammy. That was yeah, like, he wasn't supposed to throw yeah. to Sammy. And then he looks Sammy's way and Sammy's got a step and he's, you know, once he's got a step, all Pat has to do is make a perfect throw, which I mean, you know, it's, it's <laughs> every throw it's, by Pat. It's, is a perfect it's something, it's something he still has to do it. He has to put the ball, you know, he has to give, get the ball to Sammy in stride to let him run after the catch because it wasn't a, a huge amount of separation, but man, once he's, he's past him, he's past him. I mean, if in a foot race, Sammy Watkins is going to beat Richard Sherman every time he's just, he's faster. He had a step on him and he gets all the way down, you know, inside the red zone, before he's pushed out of bounds. And so now the game starts getting really interesting, right? Like the chiefs moved the ball down really quickly. I mean, this was with three forty-four left in the game. And now suddenly they're at the San Francisco 10 and this, you want to talk about bad calls, Taylor, hmm. this ball was spotted <laughs> forward. They actually gave Sammy some extra yardage mm-hmm. that actually hurt the chiefs in this situation because that makes it first and goal instead of, you know, uh, 10 yards to go to get a first down, you know, yeah, they, they could have picked 12, up an extra first down. They could have picked up an extra first down. They've got yeah. a little bit more yardage to work with and an extra first down to yard to work with. They could have maybe burned a little bit more clock. Now they got first and goal at the 10, which obviously is the worst and goal situation you could be in. Uh, you still have to go the full 10 yards to punch it in the end zone. And I, obviously here we get to, you know, there was a sack on second down by Jaquaski's heart, which fortunately, Oh, uh, that was Pat running up the middle. Yeah, right. And he got popped. Yeah, I mean, they call right. it a sack, but it was a it was yeah, design. Yeah, I mean, run. it's behind the line, the line of scrimmage. Yeah. I mean, like he still is, he still lost yardage, but at least yeah. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the McCole Hardman, no, whatever that was. No, you know, it wasn't the the Buckner sack from earlier in the game, but it no. was a negative play, and that leaves the Chiefs, you know, third and goal from the five yard line, down three, down three, with two forty four to go. I mean, it was. That was as, you know, as monumental of a decision as Andy Reid would have. And, well, really, would have been if, if this play hadn't worked what the decision would have been like. But 
And they so said they were going to go for it. They the said way. they were going to go for yeah. it, as you and I definitely assumed they would have. But fortunately, we don't need Which, to see yeah. that reality because yeah. he, you know, Damian came up with some big, 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 big plays in his Chiefs career. Obviously, he he has had clutch well, touchdown one more left clutch in touchdown. He so. does have one more big play <laughs> left in him. And this was one where um, they lined up tie inside and they faked uh, you know, like a read option to tie, which, which freezes linebackers and does all kinds of fun stuff. They're so, they have such a luxury of having those weapons because everyone has got to look at every guy there and be like, Oh my God, what are we, what are we going to do against that guy? So they fake the run left to tie. And then Pat drops one in Damien's bread basket coming to the around to the corner. And I know people will say that they didn't know if he was in or not, but the call in the field was in, and I see no reason, no evidence to suggest otherwise. And now, with with two minutes and 44 seconds left, the Chiefs just took the lead in the Super Bowl after being down 10 with nine or with seven minutes left. It's just remarkable. Uh, former 49er Jerry Rice said that he stepped out prior to getting to the end zone. So just so you know. I, oh, I had- so he must have stepped out then. I had a Raiders fan tell me that he stepped out and that was his evidence was that uh, former 49er Jerry Rice who had no stake in this game that he stepped out of bounds which obviously he never stepped out of bounds. Jerry just felt like he stepped out. You yeah, know, he, it, it he just felt it was like in, it, it was in his gut. I mean it was obviously it was uh really it was close. It was a 50-50 tighter than a Nats ass over a rain yeah. barrel as yeah. Bill Vinovich, uh, nice. as Bill Vinovich said which what kind of an expression is that but it was uh, it was very apt for the situation uh, but the ball was over they called it a touchdown they upheld obviously uh, the ruling on the field did not confirm it but upheld it and the Chiefs took the lead four point lead in the Super Bowl this this was a a surprisingly stressful time because obviously the the Niners needed a touchdown but the reason it's stressful in this situation is if the Niners get a touchdown there's a really good chance that you lose the Super Bowl sure because they might score if they score a touchdown and go up three with you know 10 seconds left in the game you're going to lose. The so game, are you probably, saying that you like might that. rather be up three here than four because you know that when it comes to fourth down and they're down three, that they're going to take the tie. And if you're down four, you know, they're going to keep throwing everything they've got until they score a touchdown. Right. I yeah. Mean, yeah. I mean, I, I obviously you, you want them to, you want them to be, you obviously you always want to be in a situation where you're forcing the other team you're taking away options from the other team. And obviously the fact that they could not kick a field goal in this situation is good in one sense, because, you know, they, they have to drive the entire length and they ended up getting the ball at their own 15. Yeah. So, I mean, they needed to go 85 yards to punch it into the end zone in two minutes, but that almost makes about three minutes, but that, that does make it, I mean, the, the distance almost in that situation, it doesn't, it's not that it works against you, but what it means is it just ups the stakes, right? Yeah. Like if they go 85 yards, it's probably going to take almost all of that two minute, 44 second clock off the right. clock. And then if they punch it in, you're now down three. And Patrick Mahomes is on the sideline. And Patrick Mahomes is on the sideline. Right. And so now, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, before the last play, what I was thinking was, you know, Niners were going to come down, maybe kick a field goal and the Chiefs were going to have to win it on a last minute touchdown drive and win it by, you know, 24 to 23. Now I'm thinking, 
well, God, the Niners could come down and score a touchdown and we're going to have to have pull, you know, almost like the end of the AFC championship game against yes. the Patriots yes. where we had like 30 seconds left and to get had to drive. Yeah, yeah. Had to drive, you know, 40 yards to get a field goal to tie the game, they did which, it. We, which we did. <laughs> I, I did it. Most people wouldn't even have attempted that, beat, <laughs> but I did. Pat it. did it. Pat did it. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was, I mean, that's almost like my brain at this point was thinking like, well, this is a great situation, but what if this happens? Yeah, because and you've been on the other side of it before. I mean, yeah, it's, of course, it's just, of course, it's a we it's a hard position. Yeah. Yeah. And fortunately, you know the the Niners had Garoppolo, which means that with a two minute drill, they can't really do their their handing off the ball and taking the clock. You know, they've got to go. And the Chiefs had been kind of kind of gearing up. Like their their defense had kind of been leveling up all game. They kind of started off and and they couldn't really do much. And then these last couple drives by the by the Niners offense, the Chiefs defense had looked like the Niners. I mean, they were they were getting in uh, in Garoppolo's face and they were you know. So then this drive starts off from their own fifteen, and immediately Raheem Mostert takes it seventeen yards, and they yeah. get to the thirty-two after one handoff and two o two left on the clock, and. Then I'm just like, oh geez, like this is this is real. This is happening. Yeah. The Niners have the ball. They're down four. The defense is going to win us the Super Bowl or lose it. I mean, that was yeah. that was as nerve wracking as yeah. I'd say that that was the second highest level, maybe the highest level of anxiety because I didn't feel a lot of anxiety after Pat threw the second interception. I just felt like De- we were depressed. Lose. Yeah, like it wasn't like I had yes. the the tension was gone because I felt like we had lost the Super Bowl. Yeah, tension this was like, is when you're up and you feel like you might yeah, lose it. Yeah, and and yeah. that was this was, and so they they handed off Mostert crushes. I mean, he goes 17 yards, cuts right through everybody. They're at the 32 yard line. They all you know they need now 60 yards, 68 yards, oh almost, and they <laughs> now give the ball to Jimmy G. And so he does a little short dump to Kittle. And then Kendrick Bourne, who cut him up in the first half on that one yeah, play. Kendrick, Kendrick Bourne. Yeah, what? you know, he'd be like if D-Rob, you know, like it's just something that you don't you don't really think about because they've got Samuel and Sanders and all that. But Kendrick Bourne takes it 16 yards. They are at midfield with a minute 49. So now you're thinking – you know, like this is gonna, this is gonna be. Just let them score. Give the just, ball just back. Just lay down <laughs> right now. I don't care. Yeah, exactly right. So then you start. Chris Jones starts to step up, and he's obviously had a great game. But these next two plays, for with a minute forty nine on the clock and a minute forty four on the clock, are just classic big Chris. And he knocks down a one short right intended for Debo, and then on second and ten. With a minute 44, short middle intended for Bourne. Chris Jones right there, knocks it down. Or he was he was in Garoppolo's face on that one. Yeah. And Kendall Fuller almost comes up with a pick. Has a yeah. really, really nice play on the ball. Yeah, diving play. Diving ball, play. Yeah. And yeah, that just barely misses it. And so the the big time, you know, Jimmy G, GQ, uh, with, with a minute 40 to Third go. Third and 10. Third and ten against the Chiefs defense, not the Niners defense. This is a this is a by all everyone else's assumption a beatable defense he gets emmanuel sanders one of the fastest receivers in the nfl to do a double move on the outside cut back towards the middle and get maybe four steps on the rest of the defenders he oh, was I mean, yeah, he, streaking he, i mean yeah. i'm sure emmanuel Burnt sanders toast. in his mind you know he was probably thinking i definitely should have popped that shirt off and i'm gonna <laughs> yeah, score sure. the game winning super bowl touchdown here i mean it was he was 
open and Jimmy just didn't, he didn't have a wasp in him. He didn't have Pat. He just overshot. Yeah. I mean, ultimately to circle back to kind of the pregame discussions, right? Like sometimes, I, I mean, so much of football discourse, especially on, ESPN and NFL Network is just like it's a bunch of platitudes, yeah, and it's just a bunch of same recycled crap. Like you could you could play the same pregame coverage for every Super Bowl, and it probably would be <laughs> yeah. equally applicable, right? But sure. like this was one of those this was one of those football guy moments where you know it comes down to Jimmy Garoppolo to win the Super Bowl, and can Jimmy Garoppolo, is he going to be clutch enough to win the Super Bowl with the game on the line? And he decidedly was not. He threw the ball. He airmailed it. I mean, he probably overthrew him by five yards. Yeah. Um, I mean, that really is what the last two drives kind of come down to. I mean, obviously the Chiefs, especially Chris Jones, were making big plays. And, you know, to some extent, you you don't want to – blame Jimmy Garoppolo for, you know, Chris Jones getting his paws on everything up the middle because he's just mm-hmm. a freak of nature who's, you know, obviously making the biggest plays of his life. But this was I mean this was on Jimmy Garoppolo. This was this was one play to go ahead. Now if this play had gone in for a touchdown, I mean the Chiefs still have a minute left on the clock. Yes. Uh to go down and score. So it would, I mean, it would have been, yeah, a minute 40 and I probably would have won by two touchdowns still had all of our timeouts still. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, it wouldn't have been the end of the world, but I can tell you my heart certainly was in my throat when I saw, you know, that end zone angle Mm -hmm. uh, of him coming, he's coming. Mm -hmm. And then the ball just nowhere close. Yeah. Uh, And then obviously then here on fourth and 10, uh, you know, I can hear the the Mitch call in my head. You know, Frank the shark. he's in the grass. It'll go as a sack. Yeah, I mean, Frank or Clark. I meant to say Frank the Clark Shark. Which is... Yeah, Frank the Clark Shark. <laughs> yeah, um, shout out to Mitch, who's the goat, obviously. Uh, just, but a great play by Frank Clark too. I mean, just um, you don't see calls like that very often either. Uh, you know, the the in the grass kind of call. True. Uh, it, I guess maybe it's because it's the last kind of plays of the Super Bowl and Jimmy Garoppolo is going to stand on his feet and hold onto the ball as long as he possibly can. You know, he's not just going to go down. It's fourth down. You know, Derek Carr would throw that ball. <laughs> I was about to say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Jimmy Garoppolo, handsome Jimmy, he's going to hold onto the ball. He's going to go down fighting to the he very knows end. It's at stake. The refs went ahead and called it, you know, stop, stop. He's already dead. Yeah. But uh, just a great play, obviously, by Frank Clark stepping up. I mean, we're talking about a minute and a half left with a four point lead in the Super Bowl and the defense. I mean, the defense did what How it was not feeling? capable of doing in 2018. I mean, this was obviously like, it, I don't know. I mean, there's still a minute 30 left in the Super Bowl, right? Like, so something horrible could still happen. They did have all their timeouts left. So you need a first down, right? Like at this point, you know, my, my brain is always, ahead of my heart in these situations so it's it's still calculating the win probability it's like man we got like a 98 percent chance of winning the super bowl right now right mm-hmm. uh, i obviously was ecstatic uh when he goes when it goes as a stack but then this next play was the icing on the cake and we've talked about this before uh when we we drafted plays from the season you guys go check out those episodes um we had a lot of fun with the drafts but this play here I mentioned in a previous episode 
I never saw the touchdown line. Yeah, right, right. Because as soon as he hit the corner, I knew it was a first down and I knew that the game was over. Like he he hits the corner, you know, Anthony Sherman doing his thing. We're running, you know, power, power run to the left side just to, to kill the clock. And Damian getting outside and then taking it to the house. You know, I didn't know he'd scored until I, I turned around and looked at the TV screen and now we're up thirty one to twenty. Um <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But Man, I, I, it's uh, it's uh, it's hard to describe the feeling, man. Like, I mean, just the the emotion of it um, to come back from everything that this team came back from, and obviously not only in the Super Bowl but through the whole season, for that to all kind of come together. It was uh, it was something that I hope we get to experience many more times, but it will never be as special as it was the first time. I'm glad you said that because I completely agree. I mean, the not only winning, which is which would be special no matter how the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, get, becoming champion in the NFL is extremely hard as anyone who's been alive, you know, as a Chiefs fan knows. And but the the way that this season happened played out, the way that the MVP quarterback gets lost to an injury that you think is going to last for the whole year and the way that they came back in the two playoff home games and the the way they were down in the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter, everything about what led to this moment of Damian Williams streaking down the left side for the 38 yard touchdown to put the chiefs up 11 with a minute left and win the Super Bowl is just too fake for Hollywood. It's just storybook. It's, it's something that, you you're so jealous of of other teams that ha- that go through similar stuff like this but honestly yeah. like i've watched so many super bowls and so many storylines in the nfl throughout my entire football career and i don't remember a season like this and it's not just because i'm a chiefs fan it's not it, it's a it's the same thing that we went through with the royals where the stuff that they're doing is not normal championship team stuff. Like it's when you put them up against other champions, it still rises above them due to the, the adversity and the talent and the way they win and the, the droughts that the team had been on before the championship, everything that goes into this is just like you would, you couldn't even write it because it would just be rejected at Hollywood immediately for being too ridiculous. And I, I was, I watched every single step of the Damian Williams touchdown because even though I knew that it was the the clincher, I, I was almost, I almost was just blacked out. Like I just, I, I saw it happening in front of me and I knew that the chiefs just won the Super Bowl. but like, you almost kind of want to like pinch yourself. Like it's just such a, it's such a surreal, see it it to believe it. And it's such a surreal moment. And it's such a, I, I just think that it's one of those memories in my life that no matter what other important stuff happens to me personally and all that stuff, like this was just such an emotional imprint in my brain forever. I mean, the, the way that 
everything came about is just something that I can't really, honestly, after having recapped all of these games for 23 weeks with you, the, the day after the Super Bowl, when you and I talked about, well, we got to do the podcast now because we had talked about the podcast, but there was no impetus Yeah, we talked it. about it throughout the season. Exactly. You know, what, if, what if we did a podcast? Wouldn't that be cool? And, and, and then the moment the Chiefs won and we were like, well, now we're definitely going to do, we're going to talk about the Chiefs every day for the rest of our lives. So we might as well start and record it. And it, the lead up to this, even throughout, even when we've been doing all these shows, I just, it's just kind of surreal still. It is. It, you know, yeah. the Chiefs are the champs. I've got a Super Bowl jersey. I've got a Pat Mahomes bobblehead where he's holding the MVP trophy. It's just all so magical and ridiculous. And I'm just, I'm, we're just so blessed. I want to just, uh, I want to pick up on just kind of the, the comparison to, you know, viewing Super Bowls generally, like, the the biggest deficit obviously in Super Bowl history is the the Patriots twenty eight to three overcoming against the Falcons. The Patriots had a an eight point deficit with six minutes left in that game. So still one possession with six minutes left in that game. Obviously they dug themselves a big hole early in that game. But they won that game in overtime. And I I mean obviously I'm biased like I fuck the Patriots to death. Um and that was that was a very uncool Super Bowl, but like honestly, just in terms of the the late deficit, I mean the biggest the second biggest the deficit overcome yeah. in a Super Bowl is ten points, which is exactly what the Chiefs did overcome in this game, and they overcame it in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. So objectively speaking, you don't see comebacks like this in the Super Bowl very often. Um, you very rarely see it. When you do see it, it's it's the stuff of legend, right? Like it really is. Just and and I'll tell you, I, I have it pulled up here. I mean, the other ten point deficits overcome in the Super Bowl, you know, one of them was the Saints over the Colts. That ended up being a thirty one to seventeen victory for the Saints. Yeah. So they overcame it. The Redskins over the <clears throat> Denver Broncos Yikes. in nineteen eighty eight overcame a ten to nothing deficit to win forty two to ten. Oof. So not a whole lot of drama there. Yes, None. they faced a ten point deficit, and then the Seattle, uh, the Seattle Patriots Super Bowl, which obviously, just for pure drama of the, of the ending of the game, yeah, I mean, Seattle pretty, should have won that game. It's going to be pretty tough to match that. Seattle should have won. They should have run the ball. Marshawn Lynch, come on, Pete Carroll, what were you doing there? Uh, but for them to come back from down ten points with you know six minutes, essentially six minutes left in the game, is it is an objectively amazing football achievement. It's not just amazing because we're Chiefs fans. And that's one of the things that like, I mean, low key, obviously it is very cool to watch your team win a championship. Very cool. It's also very cool for everybody else to watch your team win a championship. (laughs) I mean, like, you know, to, to, for it to be your team that is making history that to be in the game that everybody's watching and then to come back in the fourth quarter and win the game you know, with the national spotlight on you, millions and millions and millions of people watching the game. It's just cool. I mean, it's cool to, and especially like I've, I have friends that, um, you know, like one of my coworkers, for example, is a Lions fan. I mean, poor guy, you know, I mean, he he has no idea (laughs) what that's like. I've, I've got friends who are Vikings fans, you know, like, I don't know any Bills fans personally, but I feel like I do because Oof. they are very active on Twitter. Yeah. You know, like four straight Super Bowl losses for them. It just is a, it, it's, it's something that you, you know, I mean, like people would make fun of the Chiefs for not winning a Super Bowl for 50 years. You know, Broncos fans, oh, three rings, whatever. 
you know, uh, the Raiders haven't won a Super Bowl since the 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, Early the, the Charters have, have never won a Super Bowl. You know, the Broncos have won three, but they went, Astros. you know, they went 43 years without winning a championship before they won their first one. And they cheated. You know, like, st- and they cheated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, they went something like 60 years before they won a legitimate Super Bowl. Correct. In 2015. Uh, you know, it just is a, it's a, it's an amazing achievement and nobody can ever take it away from us. Like winning the Super Bowl, winning one Super Bowl is an extraordinary achievement. We get kind of jaded because of teams like the Patriots that, you know, have won six Super Bowls. You know, the Steelers have won a couple since, since uh, the turn of the, yeah, Ben's the got two. he's yeah. got two, you know, like, but Eli's got two. Yeah. Right. Eli's got two. Anybody can win two Super Bowls. Eli right. Manning has done it, right. but it really is an amazing achievement. And it just was so fun to go on that journey with chief's kingdom. A lot of you uh, follow us on Twitter. A lot of you have been really supportive of the podcast. And shout out to the birds of war. Ka-ka! Yeah. Shout out to the birds of war. Shout out to everybody that's been, you know, has, has been, had been living this journey with us, you know, throughout the season up to this moment and, and now gets to really relive it with us. Um, you know, we talked about this before. We obviously, we talked about this in context of the Royals, but you know, if you didn't live through the nineties, the Lynn Elliott chiefs, the Marcus Mariota self touchdown pass chiefs, you know, the forward progress game, the no punt game, the 38 to 10 game against the Colts, you know, like if you didn't live through those games, I mean, congratulations for hitting the jackpot and becoming a fan, you know, at the perfect time to start witnessing all the success, but man, the real ones know, you know, it just, uh, it's been such a, such a ride to get here. And, uh, hopefully it's the start of many, many championships to come. Yep. It was, it was completely magical. And I think it's, it's indicative of the mindset of the team that Mahomes and Jones and everybody, they want to look at the next one already. They've all they've done that since the night they won the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. it's it's been a very business like mindset by them because they know that who they're really going up against this season is really all teams in NFL history. Like they yep. sure there are thirty one other opponents that they're going to try and do their best to beat on Sundays, but they know that what they have in front of them is unique. Is something that. Not only does no one in the NFL currently have the opportunity to do, but very few teams in the history of this great game have ever had the opportunity to do, which is to run the league and to do what the Patriots just did, which honestly, the Patriots, they got six rings in 20 years. Like they, they did. They're the greatest dynasty that I've ever seen in sports. But like they didn't win Super Bowls as often as I think these chiefs are capable of winning. Yep. And it's just, it's, I know it feels like it's the end of the journey because we just got to the Super Bowl, climbed the summit, did all that, but it really is extremely likely that this is that we're going to be looking back on this in 20 years and being like, "Oh, remember our first Super Bowl? Remember how that made us feel?" I mean, it's just it's I hope we feel like that because if we don't, it's been a pretty big uh pretty big disappointment. I did want to address a question to the pod that Bird Award Juicy Josh 97 Capri Sun fan account asked us when he said where do you and Austin see the pod going after you finish the season recap? Have you considered continuing throughout the season talking about, you know, what, what are you guys going to do basically? And I just wanted to let everyone know that 
we're not going anywhere. Austin and I love doing this. This has been a blast. And we're just going to keep going with looking forward to the Chiefs games uh, that are coming up, you know, obviously throughout the season. If anything happens with the season, uh, we will address it then. But at this point, I mean, we're still we're pumping these things out every week until further notice. The show goes on. I'm not fucking leaving. No, we are going to continue doing the podcast uh, for the foreseeable future. We have no plans to stop. Uh, the show will be a little bit different next week because we won't have a game to recap, uh, but we will be looking forward to hopefully news, you know, out of training camp. And obviously we're now as of today, 50 days away from the scheduled kickoff to the NFL season. We'll see if that ends up happening on time, but we're going to be uh, rolling forward as always. Uh, you know, uh, we have a little bit of time to go still before we have real football games to break down. There's not going to be any preseason games. I think we skipped that over in the news, but um, if anybody has any mailbag questions, feel free to tweet at us, hit us up in our DMS. Um, we, we keep kind of a running tally of mailbag questions. So we're always happy to kind of sprinkle those in and talk about whatever you guys want us to talk about. So we appreciate you all for listening, for being with us throughout this championship recap run. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. We will see you all next time. Mm-hmm.